What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, DJ Stewart. This is a huge, huge show this week. I don't want to waste too much time in introductions. We got Super Bowl. We got trades. We have a new Knicks president, Kendall's Court. Uh, who's Flames? Who's Trash? All that good stuff. Let me get to my guy, Kendall. What's up, dude? How you doing, man? Yeah, what's up, EJ? It's been a very uh, interesting, interesting week in sports. Um, obviously, we had the Super Bowl, which happened. I'm sure if you're listening by now, you know the uh, 49ers did not win the Super Bowl. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, took them down uh, with a score that EJ uh, was very close to predicting, apparently. Um, yeah, I think so, I said, what, 27-24, I think I said? Yes, that sounds yeah, about right. So, yeah, I was not that far off. Someone, I don't remember who, someone, some celebrity or some analyst or whatever got the score, like, perfect. <laughs> and the score and the and the, the team, perfect. But um, regardless, uh, so obviously we'll talk about that, but then also the uh, NBA trade deadline, uh, obviously. Uh, and I feel like this is, is this the first year or the second year where, like, they've had the tra- trade deadline the same week after the Super Bowl? Um, they, moved, I know they, they, they moved the trade deadline up because they didn't want that the whole Demarcus yeah, Cousins getting ugly. traded during All Star yeah. Game thing happening. Yeah, they, so, yeah, they didn't want the ugly thing happening. So, I think it was maybe last year. Or two yeah, years so last, either last year, or two years, it was the first year we've had this. But this has been going on for a while. That this is becoming now one of the biggest weeks in sports. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, ideally we would have done this earlier, but you know, because the trade deadline, you know, kind of. Didn't make sense to do it do exactly. it right after the Super Bowl, um, and then lo and behold, you know this weekend we the the Knicks decided to drop their own bomb and you know let go of Steve Mills. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much, I won't say during the Super Bowl, but during the Super Bowl there were certainly uh, rumors that Steve Mills could be on the ouster. It's it's and, crazy, Kendall, how like. Those rumors you're talking about were people on Twitter who just saw Steve Mills leaving MSG, looking angry. Yeah, yeah, there were people that were that were verifying. Like the one Knicks podcaster said that he's hearing that someone said they saw Steve Mills leaving Madison Square Garden during, on Super Bowl Sunday, and he did not look good. And then other people would tweet at the guy, "Yeah, I saw the same thing. I heard the same thing from my people." And like, like you said, just normal people and. You don't know what to make of that. It could be people making something out of completely nothing. Could have been a trade demand that was turned down. It could have been Steve Mills, you know, got bad news in his personal life. Sure. In his personal life, you don't know what that meant, but it it meant the exact thing that Nick fans were hoping for. And you know, people speculated it was very relevant news. As then a couple of days later, he was announced as uh, parting ways with the franchise. Um, so I would imagine that what people saw was maybe him leaving, knowing that they were moving in a different direction. Yeah. And, and now, but they just didn't want to announce it on Super Bowl Sunday for whatever reason. That's the impression that I think I got as well. And, um, boy, it's kind of scary, Kendall, to me. Like, that's almost, that, that's, I know you don't watch Black Mirror, but that almost like a Black Mirror episode. Like, you know, you see a celebrity on the street and people can paint, can, can make assumptions or make presumptions, rather, based on their appearance and it put that on the social media, and that could get the word spread around about what maybe happened to him, and then a day later he's fired. Like, like that's like, like the idea of that even being possible in 1995 is just it's not. It's impossible. Like that that would never happen. 
Like we would never like the the way that person would be able to get that information out to the masses. They don't have no chance. You'd have to probably call a radio station and hope that they take your call. Like, and yeah, then, hope they, they believe you. Yeah, and then, and then they probably won't believe you. Like, you call the radio station in 1998. You're you know calling Mike and the Mad Dog to talk about you know Ernie Grunfeld is getting fired because you saw him leaving Madison Garden in a in a huff. Like, they're probably saying yeah okay, and they're hanging up on you. Like the idea that on social media, like something like that could get kind of I don't want to say complete legitimacy because I know none of the reporters were putting it out but everybody who follows the Knicks they all mentioned it they all said I'm not saying this is right I'm just saying there are multiple people now who keep saying the same thing happened they saw the exact same thing and it's almost like a crazy whereas like in a crazy bizarro again you know Twilight Zone meets again the the, the word I keep using is Black Mirror that show on Netflix like that's kind of scary in terms of technology how, how much we can know about things way I mean that's way ahead of the curve that's before Adrian Wojnarowski like it, like the fact that you got something like that based on an and interaction it goes, you saw it goes to two other street. things it goes to two other things one it shows you you mentioned the Wolves thing like and I've heard this before whether it through, be through you know I've I mean, heard this a while ago but then even you know, working for like a, a pro sports team, you realize that like the stuff that happens sometimes, this stuff happens days in advance mm-hmm. of when it's announced or it's found out to the public or hours in advance. And you know, these things aren't really, you know, they could be very, very final, but like pe- the people don't know about it. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. You know, so that's wild that like you know, it, it's announced two days before, you know, and he, he very much probably got the, the axe on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, but then also what's, what's crazy is that, like, it shows you how Steve Mills, like, because he's not, a, he's not a, a, he's not much of a character in his own right. I mean, he doesn't but talk he, to the media, so. He doesn't talk we, to the media. We wouldn't know if he was a character. So the fact that, like, Nick fans know him to the point where, like, they can see him walking on the street, like, and notice his, demeanor. his, his yeah, his demeanor be so negative mm-hmm. is just wild to me. Like it's not like that was Phil Jackson who's like six eight walking around. And you're like, oh yeah, that's Phil Jackson. Yeah, and, cool he, and, and if he looks a certain way, you know something's wrong. Like right, Mills, yeah. there's not that much even footage of him, and yeah, you kind of only you kind of only seen him act a certain way. He's usually kind of just right. stoic and professional, but like not over the top high, not over the top low. Yeah, so, I imagine if I saw Steve Mills walking around, he would have the same look on his face I always see. Yeah. Which so, is very, very, like you said, monotone. Which makes me think of, like, what did he look like? Was he crying? Like, I don't, I don't think, I, I can't, I, you know. You don't want to speculate, but yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know. Because, like, because, again, like, even if he looked angry, like, he always looks kind of serious. So, like, what is him looking, uh, I've got the word that you exactly, could on the but, phone. but looking frustrated or whatever they said, like, what does that look like? Like, I mean, the fact that they were right on the money tells me that they clearly he had some kind of look on his face. That was very clear, but um, because when I heard it, when I heard it, like I saw it, I kind of dismissed it. Because my thing is like, I don't know, man. Like he might not even been frustrated at all. He could have just been just walking through the city or whatever. Like we saw, we you know we saw Bernard King outside of Madison Square Garden, and you know he was like on his way somewhere clearly, and like he wasn't like the happiest person in the world when I saw him. But I wouldn't say right. he was like you know oh something was wrong with him. He just was on the move. Just like have you ever seen any New Yorkers resting face as they're walking through <laughs> Manhattan, especially like Herald Square and Penn Station? Like come on, yeah, it like, doesn't mean you got fired. Doesn't mean yeah, like you're probably just annoyed. You just probably got you know you probably got accosted by some homeless person or 
you got some Showtime street performance on the subway. <laughs> you're still annoyed about it. Like, who knows why you look like that? So it is interesting to me that they would pick up on that. So we'll be talking more about the Knicks situation in, in just a moment because, again, it, it appears that Leon Rose, uh, the super agent for CAA, is in line to become the next president. So that has massive ramifications for the team, obviously, and we'll, we'll discuss that move. But I do want to start off again with the Super Bowl. So the Chiefs overcame the 10-point deficit in the fourth quarter and even a late interception by Patrick Mahomes to still come back and beat the 49ers 31-20. to Mahomes was named the MVP of the game, but he got great help late in the game, particularly from Damian Williams, running back, who I thought was fantastic and I thought should have been the MVP. Sammy Watkins had a, had a big catch in which he beat Richard Sherman deep down the field. He kind of abused Sherman for a lot of the night. Uh, the Chiefs' defense also really was solid and stifled San Francisco. I think we probably will talk about San Francisco's offensive play calling in that fourth quarter. Um, before we get to that, though, look, now that you know we're four or five days ahead, looking um, – Looking ahead to next season with the Chiefs as a Super Bowl winners, do you feel like they are right now, assuming no massive shakeup in the AFC, that you have to look at them as a prohibitive favorite to get back to the Super Bowl? Um, that seems to be the sentiment. Um, Vegas right now has, has them as the odds-on favorite to win next season. Um, and I get from a Vegas perspective why you would do that. Uh, I think we have to wait and see in terms of how the Mahomes contract negotiations shake out. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of money does he get? What kind of impact will that have on their roster next season? You know, they have a lot of guys locked up long term, but, you know, you need more than just skill position superstar players to win a Super Bowl. Um, a team like Kansas City is just like most teams in today's NFL have greatly benefited from having a superstar quarterback on a rookie deal. And, you know, I'm not saying that this is the end of Kansas City. Now they're going to have to pay Mahomes potentially. But, I mean, look look at how Los Angeles kind of did not look nearly as dominant with Jared Goff making the money he's making, mm-hmm. you know. And look at how, you know, a team like Philadelphia didn't have – they had they played really well with the guy that they had, but they were able they had to put together kind of a team of scraps when they had the injuries because you know they're paying their quarterback a lot and he may be worth it, but um, it just makes it harder and more difficult to build a roster in today's NFL with a quarterback making as much as you know Mahomes will likely be making next season. So I mean that's something to pay attention to because when you're talking about you know obviously we'll have to see what happens with Tom Brady. You know, if he goes back to New England, they will obviously be a can- obviously be a contender as well. But when you're talking about probably their biggest threat in the AFC, it's the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, and they do have a, a superstar quarterback who will still be on a rookie contract next season, and they will have opportunities to make improvements to their roster that Kansas City will not have. So, you know, I mean, look, Kansas City, you should be very happy about the ring that you have now, the the title that you have now, and yeah, it should be you should feel very confident. Your chances to re into to repeat, but I wouldn't necessarily go start go go ahead and you know write their names on the Lombardi Trophy next season. Uh, r- right now, you know I think it's a little early. I think there's still a lot to be played out in the off season, and you know it's it's not easy to repeat in the NFL. It's very rare. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's it's gonna be an interesting 
test to see if this team can get back because the the Chiefs are kind of set up in a weird way in which, like you said, they have this Mahomes contract extension looming. That shouldn't necessarily affect their cap for this upcoming season because he still has a year left on his deal. So that deal likely won't kick in until the following year. But even with that considered, they don't have a lot of cap room even this offseason. They only have $18 million in cap room. And they have quite a bit of free agents, 24 players. And there are several starters that played in the Super Bowl. Chris Jones, Rashard Breland, Reggie Raglan, uh, Steven Wisniewski. So uh, Chris Jones is, a, is, a, is probably going to be due for a big payday. I don't know if they could keep him. Um, and even guys like you know Breland and Raglan, who you know may not be you know top-notch defenders, but you know played on Super Bowl, played on a Super Bowl team, won a Super Bowl. They're serviceable. Those guys may end up being a little too costly to keep. So just like every Super Bowl situation, when you have a Super Bowl and you have a quarterback that has a big payday looming, a lot of it is just like how much attrition can you afford afford to survive post a Super Bowl offseason? Because there's just no way you're going to be able to bring back everybody. And then there's certain guys like a Terrell Suggs you got in a trade and a LaShawn McCoy who really didn't have any factor. But, you know, he's a guy you also acquired during the season. Uh, a Mike Fennell, like those guys – uh, like those guys, I don't know. Do you even want those guys back? Do, you, do you, what? Do some of those guys retire? Like in terms of a guy like Terrell Suggs, it's 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 a it's a tough um it's a tough thing to deal with. So they're gonna have to make some cuts. Sammy Watkins could definitely be a casualty because of all the free agents and the the very limited number of cap space they have. You know, he's gonna make twenty one million dollars next year. If you cut him, you only got seven million dead money, so you cut fourteen million dollars. I can't see. I can't see them keeping him at a twenty-one million dollar number. He played great yeah, in the Super Bowl, but he's yeah, he played great in the Super Bowl, but he's just not that kind of player, and he hasn't been all season. So maybe you can restructure his contract and bring him back, you know. But the way he was talking, you know, I know he said he was joking about wanting to retire, but I mean, look, with the way he's got retirement, who knows? So it's it's that's the key is, is can this team survive the attrition of? Um, of some of these, not necessarily your superstar players or even star players on both sides of the ball, but some of these guys that were key pieces that started, like, can you afford to lose those guys and replace them with rookies or guys who maybe, you know, haven't started on their team that are currently on their roster or guys that maybe haven't started on other teams that you're taking a shot on in free agency at a cheaper number? That's going to be the key. You know, the Chiefs are going to have to draft well, um, and they're going to have to be selective with their, their signings. I think, you know, the Ravens, they they have a, a, their fair share of issues too in terms of uh, the players they got to bring back. You know, Judon is a free agent. Jimmy Smith is a free agent. So they're not. It's not like you know they come in this year. Uh, Brandon Carr is also a free agent. So they, it's not like they come in this year and they like oh well they you know we have no moves to deal with. They have some of the similar issues, but it's basically come down to which team I think can probably uh, fill out their roster in an effective way without losing too much. Um, those to me are clearly the two top teams in the Super in in the, in the AFC. We don't know what's going to happen to the Patriots with Tom Brady. It's just up in the air. I can't really say one way or the other. Like even when I want to say, I think he may be back. Like just part of me just really really well, thinks he, he may leave. Back. Well, he's coming back to football. I don't know. Well, he said he said he's not going anywhere. We don't he know. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, that Man, was that was in that, in that ridiculous Super Bowl commercial. By the way, that was awful. My, but I'm a Jets fan, so whatever. Take it as you want. But um. But, I mean, even if he is back, do the Patriots look like they're in a position to compete for a two-bowl with 
those two teams? I don't think so. I, I just don't. I don't see where you're saying that that team is as good as those two teams. Obviously, Belichick in a one game situation against anybody, you're gonna give him a fighter's chance. But that might be a, too, uh, a task that's too tall for him. Um, and if they have no Brady, they have no shot. You know, does Houston take a step up? Uh, take you know, betting on Houston as long as Bill O'Brien's their coach just seems. First of all, betting on Houston period just seems like a bad bet. But Bill O'Brien, I just I have a lot of concerns about. Him in playoff games and big game situations, and part of me kind of starts to wonder if he's the kind of coach that's holding back Deshaun Jack, Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Watson. So the AFC is not the strongest uh, conference as a whole. That you know the, the top half is really two teams. So the Chiefs have a great shot. It's just a matter of can they fill out their roster effectively. Ooh, I with those mean, other uh, obviously with those it's early. Clear losses they're gonna have. Yeah, yeah. Obviously it's early, but where? Who 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 in the AFC right now? One team would you classify as a major dark horse to do what maybe Baltimore did this year or what San Francisco did? Yeah, I mean every year there's going to be a team that rises up. Um, and we'll have a and you, and you mentioned you mentioned Baltimore, you know, who was decent last year, and you had San Francisco who was not good and they made all they made it to the Super Bowl. Um, but I was even thinking someone like Tennessee, who you know, of course, nine and seven, but they went all the way to the AFC Championship game. I think. And you can mention Buffalo in there too. Like, I think the Raiders, especially if they get Tom Brady, are a team I would right. I would look very closely at. We you know, man. Some, there's something about piling on to situations that can be kind of scary to me in terms of like when. I see everybody piling on to the Raiders and how clueless John Gruden is, how antiquated that what they're doing is in year one of a rebuild. That's why I kind of pulled back because I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not crazy about some of the moves they're doing. But, I mean, coming up with three first-round picks in a you know in, a, in your first draft, is that's not nothing. That's not easy to do. That's very difficult yeah. to do, in fact. That's pretty impressive. Okay, the players, initially I wasn't crazy about who they drafted. Now it's looking like they did a pretty damn good job. Um, some of the other players they've they've put together some of these unheralded guys. Uh, Matt, let's not forget about Mad Max Crosby, who was a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, Best Rookie of the Year. Yeah, and he was a fourth round pick. Yeah, he was a beast, and he was a fourth round pick. You know, you know, taking in shot on Darren Waller, a guy who was you know uh, a journeyman and had yeah. issues, you know, with off the field. Look, the guy caught ninety balls. I mean, the, the Raiders are, they got something talent. going there. Yeah, they know talent evaluation, which mean which. Makes them dangerous this offseason because, like you said, give them Brady and give them another offseason to get more rookies and free agents. Who I mean, I don't know. I mean, they they could be a team that could take that jump. I agree. Yeah, the Raiders are the team that that would really scare me. And then then they because they're young too. Like so many of these guys, like you know, like a Clint uh, Clint Farrell, who maybe not had you know big numbers, but who would say maybe he doesn't take a step up in year two. You know, like. The Raiders are definitely according to you, EJ. Though uh, Josh Jacobs, you know he's he's about hitting his uh, time where he's going to start declining soon. Well, he's in he's in well he's in the prime of his career. So <laughs> look, man, this, it's the Rob it's the Rob it's the get Rob back on the show. It's the Rob Duray theory. And over the last three or four years, soon when he told me that, I've been following the situation, and he hasn't fooled, failed me. Like Chris Brady McCaffrey, Brady I'm up. very worried about. Like he's putting up crazy numbers now, and I saw someone. I was, I was, you know, I was watching. Shout out to Brandon Tierney and Tiki Barber. I was watching their show during Super Bowl week, um, one of these days. 
last week. And they were talking, they talked to Cam Newton, who said that, you know, he plans on being back. And they were like, you know, while it may sound crazy because of some of the other moves they made, like for a team that, you know, you might not want a team that's that new with a new coach and a new coordinator. You might want like at least stability at the quarterback with Christian McCaffrey can't do so much. And my thing was, you might want Cam Newton around because Christian McCaffrey may very well be in his last two or three elite years. Like, like, as we've seen in football, like, even though, yes, when you're bad, like, you need a lot of changes, but because of the, the parity, because of the way the schedule rotates, like, you can luck yourself into 10 wins after having a miserable season if things go right and injuries break your way. Like, if Cam Newton comes back 100% healthy, that's a huge if. But if he did, who's say the Panthers don't turn it around? And you got to use that Kirsten McCaffrey years where he's getting 1,500, carry, 1500 yards, 100, catching 100 balls. Like, you can't waste those years with a rookie quarterback that you don't think can win um, if you can't jump up into the draft to get someone like uh, like Gerald Burrow or if someone like, uh, you know, Tua isn't ready to start the season or isn't ready, um, isn't even there for you to take. Like, you might not want to waste it on a pick that for a guy who may not be ready to play if you don't think Justin Herbert's there and you don't think that he's – having you compete next season so it's 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 a true thing you know but yeah to me um jacobs is a beast so you want to use those years wisely so that that's a team i definitely would 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 look at you know you know i don't want them to become the new cleveland browns like i can see that happening very quickly Uh, yeah you know how i felt about the browns last year you you never yeah you never believed in them so you know i i so it's not as if you know we're just going to just jump on any of the, the hype trains. You know, it, it's a case-by-case basis. And, again, it's very early in the offseason. Um, Another team I think to take a, a quick look at, too, and it's two teams in the division. But I would also – I'm not going to – I'm going to look at the Denver Broncos. No, oh, my guy. <laughs> Brother Lightyear. You know, Drew, Drew Locke showed unbelievable improvement from what he looked like from – preseason to regular season now to me i'm not saying he's gonna come out there and light it up next year but the broncos as we've seen we saw just a couple years ago what they did with peyton Manning, an old and decrepit peyton manning they have the pieces to 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 win games they have a formula to win games despite not having maybe the best quarterback you could get to the pass and you play defense the way they play defense um they got to get uh the, the chub back healthy obviously you know him going out early was a huge blow if he comes back healthy, you got Miller and Chubb back rushing the passer. They have a solid defense all around. Phil, uh, Philip Lindsay is a solid running back. Cortland Sutton, Sutton had a had a great year this year at receiver. Yes. Um, you know, a second round pick last year. No, they might have something too. So, and look, we'll see. We're talking about we talking about the whole AFC, but they might have to look at their division, and because you know the Chargers got talent too, which is why Brady may be considering them as well. Yeah, you know, I know we know we we talk about the draft, but uh, we'll talk about the draft eventually. But, um, you know, I think you know if the Bengals get Joe Burrow, I could see them in the playoffs next year. But that's a, that's a conversation for uh, April. How do you feel about the, uh, the the how you feel about the Forty Nine ers though? You know, man, like it, it's, it happens every year. You look at the team, like they're young. You know, things didn't break their way. The coach probably got. Uh, didn't too, ran got away from the running game uh, too early late in the game and that hurt them. He just stuck with it because they were having success. They could have ran some clock, which is kind of crazy that Shanahan is now 
involving two kind of fourth quarter collapses. Now, this one not nearly as bad as the Falcons one, but this one was also pretty bad. So you up 10 points with six minutes left. That's supposed to be lights out. I don't know how you lose that game. And lose it by 10. Like, that. Like that's crazy. And But that's what the Chiefs have done all year, to be fair. But that's still not a good look for Shanahan. Um, it's the same thing, though, Kendall. Like, you, they're young. The defense should be, you know, back for the most part. Um, they, they, they lie there. Offensive players are signed long-term or young players that you should be able to bring back. There's no reason to think that they shouldn't get back. But there's something about going to that Super Bowl and losing that just ruins teams. <laughs> like, And you can go back beside the Patriots. Patriots are the only team that can su- seem to survive that and get back. Every other team, those teams that go, like even teams that win, it's hard to get back. But I'm talking about teams that lose. Those teams usually win like five games the next year. Like it's crazy. Every single, almost every single year, go back to all the Super Bowls. Um, I'm trying to pull it up now real quick. But if you go to the Super Bowl, just the history of the Super Bowl for the last, I mean, really for a long time, but even recent history, you're going to see a bunch of teams who went to the big game, a team that looked at it and say, wow, okay, they lost, but, you know, they should be solid. Like, these aren't old, decrepit teams where you think, oh, this was their last run and it's over. Teams say, oh, they were good, but they, they could be back soon. The only team that's been able to really consistently get back is New England. Exactly. Every, and like and, and when I mean they they don't get back, I mean they don't make the playoffs the next year. The Rams right. didn't make the playoffs. Okay, Patriots we know they always get there. Atlanta didn't make the playoffs. Carolina didn't make the playoffs. Seattle might have made the playoffs the next year. Let me see. Uh, Seattle made the playoffs. They, you know they're like the Patriots though in a sense. Like they they kind of the system runs itself. Um, you know, and the Broncos made it because they had Peyton Manning. But there are a lot of examples of teams. 49ers struggled. Um, well, 49ers made the playoffs the following year. Giants won the Super Bowl, but didn't make the playoffs next year. Uh, so then it's just it's especially the Ravens when they lost when they they won, but when they won when they lost Ray Lewis, I don't think they made it. But yeah, the next year when the Ravens won the Super Bowl, they didn't get to the playoffs next year. So in in almost all of these Super Bowls, who rather who won or who lost, one of them ain't going back to the playoffs, and most of the time it's the losing team. So the 49ers, yeah. there's no reason for me to believe that they can't get back to the Super Bowl based on their talent. I can't give you a reason why. Or even like the offseason forecast to say, oh, well, but they're going to lose too many guys and therefore they're not going to be able to get back. They, they they should be fine for the most part. You know, Garoppolo, he comes back healthy. He didn't look great in the Super Bowl, but he's, he's still a fairly young player, a lot of people forget. Um, the defense should still be solid. You know, they got it. You know, Eric Armstead is going to be a, a huge, um, that's going to be a huge decision, especially a team, again, with not a lot of cap room, only $17 million. Eric Armstead was fantastic this year. I think you got to try to bring him back, but he's going to demand a lot of money. So I don't know if they can keep him, but the, the good news is, you know, when you're that strong defensively, you might be able to survive even losing a guy like him as good as he is. So Another sneaky, another sneaky free agent out there, not to change the subject too much, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't talk about how Derrick Henry's a free agent and, you know, what that means for Tennessee, what that means for whoever picks him up. I can't believe I can't pro- believe they'll, Tennessee will let him go anywhere. I mean, do you, I mean, you're you're Mr. You know, running backs are bad are a bad investment. Sure. I am. Do you feel like do you, do you feel like that would make any sense? I mean, I understand it would change the entire gravity of their offense. But and I would much rather pay Derrick Henry than Ryan Tannehill. But mm-hmm. You know, I also can see the the analytical side of paying a running back just for 400 carries 
you know, max money is is, is is idiotic. I mean, I don't disagree. I'm just I'm just saying I, I, that would be that would be shocking to me if if Tennessee let him leave. But you never know, and, that, and that's part. And honestly, what you're saying is part of the reason why I don't think they let him leave because I think. The guy was unbelievable, and like it only takes one desperate team to be fair, just like the Jets with Le'Veon Bell. But I just think that, especially after seeing what happened with Le'Veon Bell, I don't know if you're going to have another team break the bank for a running back and the tight. Like I think the Titans will be able to be comfortable matching whatever number another team would give him. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Well, what what will help his market? Is that this uh, running back class in the draft is not good at all? So that is true. And two of the two of the top guys in Travis Etienne and Najee Harris decided to go back to school. So, um, you know that may that may give him more options. But I agree that I think the Le'Veon Bell thing certainly won't help him. Um, are there any teams in the NFC that uh, what you call should be worried about San Francisco? Um, besides the, the usual suspects, yeah, I mean, yeah, because you know Seattle's always, you know, Seattle, New Orleans did it, did it with you know uh, a pile, of, you know, Russell Wilson did it with a pile of scraps, you know, according, you know, yeah. if you're taking the Iron Man line, um, in terms of a team that could rise up, the NFC, you, the NFC in recent years, you know, obviously we saw the 49ers have a big jump, but usually the kind of usual suspects are usually kind of hanging around. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough uh, time. It's been a lot of times. It's been you know, a team maybe have an off year and they come back. Like the Packers, they've been good and they had an off year last year and they came back. Yeah, you know, Minnesota had an off year and right, they, and they came, they came back. So it's you no, know, those the teams that have been the bottom. Dallas feeders, didn't have an off year. Could Dallas be that? You know, yeah, yeah, maybe Dallas is that team next year with a new head coach. Um, I I can't. People are gonna want to say Arizona. I can't, I'm not thinking about Arizona in that division. I think that they still have. <laughs> there's no way. Like they might have, they might be putting something together that's interesting. I don't disagree with that, but they're not. It's not going to be interesting next year. I will have to so, wait and see what they do this off season with their money, with their draft. You know, I won't completely count them out, but I agree. It seems far fetched. Um, I think we'll we'll have to see what Philadelphia looks like when they're healthy. Yeah, Philadelphia. You know, you know even though they made the playoffs, it almost feels like a lost year because of all the injuries. So they could be kind of your pseudo team that rises up. A lot up. Of their roster mm-hmm. in terms of age. You know, in terms of like trying to get younger with some of their guys, so, um, and I think they, I think they understand that. You know, from what I, you know, from what uh, what they've said, it sounds as if they they're trying to get younger. So yeah, they um, talked about the athleticism being an issue, especially defensively, which is not wrong. It's yeah, you know, and that's part of the reason why the injuries, <laughs> the injury bug caught them. Yeah, you know, some of it was unlock, some of it was, was luck, and some of it was age. You know, and uh, I think they the the front office understand they have to get younger, but um, I expect them to be a team that could could also maybe take another step up because they weren't a real contender this year. Yeah. Why the hell is Dan Quinn still coaching the the Falcons? That's a good question. We kind of all penciled him in. I forgot he saw the job. We we all penciled him in as not having a job. Like he's still the head coach. I mean, Doug Marone is still a coach of the Jaguars as well. Yeah, but Tom Cough- Tom Coughlin was running that show, so yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I I could believe a lot I, things that may seem ridiculous. I could I could I could believe a little bit more with how they were running that ship over there. 
But and not to say that the Falcons are a model organization at all, but it just seems like I mean the Falcons were. I know they finished extremely well. They won their last four games. I think they won uh, six yes, of the last eight, which is. I mean, to me, it's it's, it's literally what happened with the Jets uh, with a first year coach. Like the, the first half of the year was just just god awful. Everybody, nobody paid attention to them. And then you look at the end of the record, and they're seven and nine. And you're like, oh, with some of the issues they had, seven and nine isn't that bad. And I think it's fool's goal. I think it was a fool. Goal. I think it was fool's goal with the Jets. I think it's fool. I think it's even more fool's goal with Atlanta because we've seen the Dan Quinn regime with the Falcons. Uh, they had a great height, as I said. They haven't really been able to build that thing back up. It was impressive that I'm the surprised. players didn't quit on him. Like that usually is a thing. Did you see, by the way, before you say what you were surprised by? Did you see there was a tweet from the Falcons? Uh, the yes. official Falcons had a tweet where they put out, you know, it's unlikely we're, we're to pre- uh, the, the Falcons are, are moving on from Vic Beasley. And yeah, was- somebody, a fan, tweeted under them, what's the source, question mark. And Falcons tweeted them back, literally us. Because <laughs> the <laughs> article even was literally from the Falcons. And yeah. the tweet was from literally from the Falcons, which also tells you how much they don't want Vic Beasley. I mean, I don't know what he yeah. did to get them to tweet that seen, out. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen a team tweet out their free agency plans. Never. <laughs> their, free, their, free agency, their free agency strategies. Like, who – I mean, look, the PR department is very connected to the front office, but who let the kid, the social media kid, tweet out, we ain't bringing this guy back? I don't think they let him do it. I think that they told they were they don't want anything to do with that guy for whatever yeah, reason. The they, they were like, let's just make it known we ain't bringing that guy back. Put it on our official website because yeah. every the thing about these websites, you know, and shout out to Eric Allen who does it for the Jets. He's super cool on Twitter and he does a great job. But the, the every a lot of these teams have reporters. And oh yeah, it, they have the team reporters. And I use it in quotation marks, not to again, no disrespect to them, but they're just. And they're going to give you the facts. They're very professional. But, I mean, they're just not going to be the conjecture and not going to be the, the criticism that you would have, obviously, they're, from they're, an independent For lack body. of a better term, they are mouthpieces. Right. You know, like, they they, they, they report on the team. Like you said, from a from a factual standpoint. No, yeah. And they'll occasionally throw their opinion in in a positive way. But for the most part, you know, they're not paid to criticize the team. Yeah, like, like Aaron Allen is not going to write about why, you know, the Jets maybe should consider moving on from someone like uh, Gase. Like, he's never going to write that article. No. He may feel that way because, I mean, he's a seasoned reporter. He could, he may think that. That's not going to happen. Uh, Christy Trust Crino. Me, no. Christy I, Crino. I, I, <laughs> I have uh, a bad conversation. Yeah. Uh, Christy <laughs> Crino, the, who does the Miami Hurricane. She worked for the Miami uh, Sun, uh, Sun Sentinel for a long time. I followed her for a long time. She's an excellent reporter covering the Canes. Now she's the Canes reporter for MiamiHurricanes.com. Her coverage is going to be a little different now. It is a little different now. Like, <laughs> it is what it is. So, right, the right. fact that uh, the team allowed their team reporter to be like, they moving on from this guy. I'm like, yo, they were trying to get it out there. We want nothing to do with him. I don't know what that reasoning is. It just was very fascinating to me. But real quick, what were you going to say? Um, No, yeah, on the Falcons, I was going to say, it, it's strange that given – where they are geography located, where they are geographically located, mm-hmm. uh, in the state of Georgia, uh, that they would not have interest in, and maybe they do, and maybe they don't even have to have interest in in this to do it, but that they would not have interest in tanking next season completely to try and get someone like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, who are from Georgia. 
I mean, the way I mean, they is- the way they started this year, they didn't have to try to tank. They just were that bad. Right. So they may feel like, hey, look, maybe give, letting Vic Beasley walk may be the first sign of them saying, yeah, yeah maybe. We in for a long year next year. Get ready. Because, you know, Vic Maybe Beasy, that's why they're keeping Quinn. Maybe yeah. they know. Like, why, what's, the, not, what's the point yeah. of of starting a rebuild a year early when the rebuild hasn't technically started yet? Yeah, we kind of already terms. saw what that looked like in Cincinnati, and it was, it's just not good for Zach Taylor. No. You know? Yeah. You know, and maybe and he'll survive it. He may end up with Joe Burrow, but like, you know that that that's that's not a it's not a it's not conducive. You much rather have the the rookie coach with the rookie quarterback, like like Arizona. It's just way more just just way more seamless. Yeah, just build them up together. Let them get exactly. chemistry. Let them get know each other. Forcing the guy to tank, and then we also see and you also got to survive. Right? And then like you know, like the Jets, it's a little different because the Jets weren't tanking, but like you also have to survive the fan base. After having, you know, maybe a respectable season, now having a tanking season where you're losing and fans going crazy, feeling like you got to fire the guy tomorrow. Like, you know, Miami's a great example of that. But they almost were so overt with the fact that they were tanking that nobody really was calling Flores' job. But, you know, for Zach Taylor, it was very hard this year. A lot of people were saying, yo, this guy, man, should he survive after one season? So that's why if you have a rookie quarterback and it's, it's a clear, obvious reboot, then it's people are, will give you more rope. And say, okay, we know they're rebuilding. We know it's a start. Even if it's the first, even the bad year, the first year is bad. Your first year is bad when the rebuild hasn't begun. You brought back the same guys, knowing that the team couldn't compete and think and the bottom fell out. But you knew that would happen, just like what happened with Cincinnati. Fans ain't trying to hear that. They can't. There's some fans who probably thought, hey, yo, we might be able to get nine wins this year and sneak into the playoffs because. On the surface, after what happened last year, and if you blame all the issues on Marvin Lewis, you may say, hey, maybe a new coach changes around. Okay, we lost A.J. Green for, you know, six, seven weeks. That's really bad, but maybe we can survive it and make it run late. It wasn't going to happen because that team was dead on arrival. The the front office knew it, um, which is why they let it go the way they did. But then that's where you have people then hammering the coach like they did with Zach Terrell this year. So. It doesn't make sense to do it that way, which maybe is why Dan Quinn is back. They feel like we ain't going to spend no crazy money. We ain't trying to do anything crazy. But he did a decent job at the end of the year. The coach players seem to respect him. Next year is probably – this is probably the last year of this run. If they somehow turn it around and go on some great magical run, then okay, we'll see what happens after that. But assuming they have another bad season, which is likely, we'll move on and just start fresh. We'll probably have to get rid of Julio. We'll move on from Matt Ryan and let's start new, you know. Um, let's talk. Let's talk some hoops, Kendall. Let's let's get to some basketball stuff now. Uh, shout yes. out to the shout out to the Kansas City Chiefs for winning the Super Bowl. Um, and shout out to uh, Shakira and J Lo for putting on an entertaining Super Bowl halftime. I don't know. I know there's and some people going to, crazy uh, about. Well, I was say, well, I'll let you finish before I jump. Well, I, was say, I know there's some people like playing. Oh, you know, it was risque or whatever. I mean, have you seen the cheerleader outfits on the during football games? Me. These were slow mos of the cheerleaders, you know, kicking their legs up in tight short shorts and skirts. Relax. It, it wasn't that crazy what we saw from Shakira and JLo. But I mean, to do it at their, you know, do it at any age, but especially their age, is just really inspirational. Um, you know, I have my feelings about the Super Bowl halftime as a whole just because of, I know, getting those, what it costs Colin Kaepernick in terms of his um, vision. You know, Jay Z had produced that Super Bowl show and it was great because he's great. But. It's just unfortunate that, like, oh, we got a great Super Bowl show, but now we, we get to forget about Kaepernick, and Hove kind of, I feel, helped that. That's 
a little still annoying to me. But still a massive we, shout out to two, two women. They did a great job. Yeah, no comment. <laughs> no, we won't, we won't, yeah, we weren't even getting yeah, that. No comment. Um, but what I will say was, uh, what I was going to say was, hey, yeah, listen to uh, the beginning of uh, New Generation Hero Talk this week if you want to get our uh, our take on what the best Super Bowl commercial was. For sure. E- EJ and Shamari. For sure. Yeah, that's a, that's literally the top of the show. So if you never, if you're not really crazy about superhero shows and like, you know, are you superhero content and that's not your thing, but you you are interested in our take on the halftime show. We talked about it for, I mean, the, the commercials rather. We talked about it for like a good 10 minutes. So check out that out. It's on our podcast network, per usual. New Generation Podcast Network, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. So quickly, Kendall, let's talk about this Knicks thing. Um, according to most reports, the Knicks are set to name CAA agent Leon Rose as his new president of basketball operations. Um, yeah. It was awesome because I was reminded today that Leon Rose is a white man. I had, I, you know. Yo, I, everyone I, keeps saying that. I Googled him at work, and I work at a New York station, uh, New York news station, and, of course, this news broke, so we were trying to get it on the air. And I was trying to find a picture of Leon Rose, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He looks like that. Yeah, he's Jewish. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure. And people get, people get saying that, and I'm like. I mean, I obviously, like, look, I'm, I'm, I was, I, I, I'm a, uh, you know, an agent, an NBA agent, like, uh, I don't say expert, but, you know, that that is an interest of mine. Yeah, you follow this stuff. Yeah, I follow this stuff. Yeah. So, like, you know, for me, it's not, it wasn't a surprise, you know, I, I to be honest, I didn't, I, Leon, Leon Rose's name did not come up in my mind as someone who could run the next, we heard, you know, I mentioned Rich Paul months ago. Yeah. And then if people started to mention his name yesterday, I, you know, uh, we've heard Rich Kleiman's name, we've heard Austin Brown from CAA, yeah. you know, we've heard almost every agent, <laughs> but uh, Leon Rose, which obviously, which honestly, he should have been the first person we mentioned. So yeah, so I, I didn't think of him, and no one thought of him. Yeah, it's crazy because this makes total sense. Like yeah, from a, like, from like a business standpoint it's obvious from and not and just like a common sense like oh yeah like if they were going to go this route of course leon rose would be the guy they hired right if, if you if you remember the the mellow era when the knicks were semi-decent when they were going to the playoffs when they were you know again the one year they, they were had the second best team second best record in the east there was especially when things started to turn sour especially this actually prompted phil jackson becoming the president there became this kind of innuendo and maybe even not even innuendo it was kind of starting to just be reported but definitely there was a very least innuendo and rumors about how caa essentially was running amok at madison square garden yeah when that they called the caa knicks yeah that it was influencing player decisions i mean player personnel decisions coaching decisions all right you know mike woodson was represented by caa the best players were represented by caa um some of the guys they were bringing in all the guys they, they brought in also were all repping caa and it was word that they had the agency because all your players on the team, you get to get kind of a run of the place a little bit. So if the word was that Dolan was very much, James Dolan, owner of the Knicks, was very much influenced by the model that had been set up by the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers. The, Bob Myers, the current, uh, he, he was a general manager. I think he is now the president. Um, yes. But uh, previously a GM, but now the president of the Golden State Warriors. He, he was a sports agent at one point before he yeah. got the job. Never had NBA front office experience. Uh, Rob Plinka, 
you know, was famously the great Kobe Bryant's uh, uh, guy rest his soul. He was his agent and had been an NBA agent for a long time before he got the Laker job. Very close ties to the Lakers because of that relationship. And Dolan saw that those those two success stories and thought maybe that's the route I should go because going after Masai Ujiri will likely cost me draft picks and cost me time, time that he didn't want to waste. We can get into why he didn't want to waste that time because to me it's very simple why he didn't want to waste that time and it's kind of alarming. But that's where we get to Rose, which is if you're going to do that and he's the last time he had any kind of success, CAA already had probably too much power over the Knicks. Why wouldn't he just go back to that well and just give it all to them? That yeah, that's us. That's actually kind of logical in his mind. Like I, I don't think that that's crazy. If you look at that and say, okay, they're doing it this way. Last time we were decent, CAA had a lot of power here. The top guy at CAA has great relationships amongst people in the NBA. He's a, a big time player. And the World Wide West is his, you know, his muscle. Let's bring him in too. Why wouldn't you do that? Like, I, I get it. I think, you know, some of the concerns I've heard, well, one, not, no basketball experience. So we've seen that that doesn't necessarily mean that this can't work, but it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel better. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make you like just because oh well, it has it's worked for other people. Yeah, but this is the Knicks. So yeah, this isn't this isn't politics. This isn't like yeah, we need an outsider. You know, like right. That's not a positive in basketball. And in fact, to get I, a guy who knows nothing about basketball. And I'm in, not saying Leon Rose knows nothing, but to get a guy who has no experience running a basketball organization to say that he has no experience and that's a good thing. That that's not a thing. And in fact, you could make the argument that the Knicks for a long time, have never really respected getting the pure basketball scout lifer guy in that role. Isaiah Thomas, um, Phil Jackson, um, Steve Mills, even. The last guys that have, you know, the only guy that, that was in that role during, when um, when Grunfeld was a, Grunwald was the GM, they didn't have a president. But the only guys that have filled that role They've kind of been, what I keep saying has been my issue with the Knicks, not only most of the time in their head coaching hires, but also in their, definitely in their front office hires, have been, they've been getting these celebrities. They've been getting the guy that, oh, that's going to wow people and get people talking and, you know, and and all those guys I just named, all respected basketball minds. I mean, those guys are, are guys who I would look and say, oh, that guy doesn't know anything about basketball. He's just a celebrity. Like, those guys also know the game. But, like, all guys that there was, like, there was this other thing about them. It was like, oh, they can attract free agents or players will respect them because they played a long time or they were a Hall of Fame head coach or they've been an executive at Madison Square Garden for all these years and they have all these business connections and ties to the city. Like, all these different things were some of the reasons why. Even Donnie was- Walsh was like kind of a Hall of He wasn't a Hall of Fame, but like a legendary, you know, executive. Yeah, you know? and like he, he, and he was probably closer to that closer basketball to the, thing, that but even that guy, even him was like, okay, big name, even if he is a basketball guy. Like, you, I look at the guys that have been having success outside of those examples of Warriors and Lakers, but I get to why I think point looking to him is a little problematic. I'm looking at Masai Ujiri, um, dude over in Denver. Um, Tim Connolly. Tim Connolly. Yeah, Daryl Morey. I'm looking at guys that are either scout background or analytics yeah. background. So 
And the fact that the Knicks haven't really embraced either for the last 15 years has always bothered me a little bit. But so, does it not surprise yeah. you given Dolan's uh, the way he likes to operate? So here's why. That's, that gets me to the problematic part, Kendall. It's a great question. The problematic part I have about this is this was easy for him to do, which is why he did it, which is why this is is a little concerning, though I'm not going to panic and say this can't work. But when your motivations and your mo- your when your motivations are questionable, that could sometimes lead to questionable results. And to me, this is very clear. This guy could, cannot stand people coming to his building yelling, sell the team while he's sitting front court, you know, court side. And, you know, people, it's easy for people who, like, don't have that role and don't have 20,000 million people yelling at you, cursing you, whatever. They say, oh, get fixed in. You're a billionaire. I, nobody wants to deal with that. Come on. Like, let's be real. Like, if I was that person, I'd feel really terrible, too. Now, maybe how I and other people would handle it would be different. And that's where you can maybe criticize him. But the idea that that would make you feel really terrible and, ju- and maybe cloud your judgment is also not insane, not crazy. That's no other team has that happening where people are, are chanting "sell the team" every time you show up. So that's real. <laughs> so with the, the, I think I think based on what I was hearing and the reporting that was happening, I think the Knicks absolutely, if they wanted Masai Jerry, he would be the president of the Knicks. The problem was it was going to take uh, February, March, April, uh, May. Maybe I don't think it will be June, but I don't know. Who knows how far the Raptors will go? And then. You gotta get permission, and then you got to break probably, the bank. Probably give up draft. Yeah, break the bank, and then you probably got to give up draft picks because he has a year left on his contract. That's a lot of time and money and angst for someone like who, someone who's emotional and who 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 acts on his emotions like James Dolan. That's a long time to be sitting there uncomfortable. You make you're a billionaire. You make as much money as James Dolan. You don't want to be uncomfortable. You James Dolan can be comfortable every second of his life if he wants to. That's why he never shows his face anywhere that he's not liked, except for Madison Square Garden when the Knicks are playing. Like he has that access. He's he. That's the money he has. Do you think he's com- he wants to be uncomfortable for five months waiting around people calling about him saying what the hell are you doing you're not going to get it done you show up to the game to support your team they say sell the team he ain't gonna waste time with that just like when them people were trying to picket line to do a picket line outside of Madison Square Garden three or four years ago what did he do the next day he hired Phil Jackson we clearly know that the, the judgment there wasn't the best clearly because of how Phil Jackson's mind state was at that point um, and and his philosophy of building a basketball team clearly that was not the right way to go but it was quick and it was easy here's 60 million dollars fix my team and make these people shut up and guess what that 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 protest that was planned it didn't happen and james dolan now saying well i can't wait that long i gotta get someone now i gotta get something that's interesting something that i can point to and say this has a measure of success well, yeah. look, look at the Lakers and Warriors. Those teams are doing great. This guy is is a well, much bigger name agent than those other guys. So this has got to work. Like it's 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 kind of easy to sell to the fan base, and we'll probably get the hounds off of him just a little bit. So that's why he did it, in my opinion. That concerns me because yeah. my thing is, this was a really quick hire. 
What was Leon Rose's pitch to you? What was that? How many people did you interview? It's, apparently, they said he was doing interviews. That was that. Mills got fired like ten minutes ago. How many interviews did you really do? How much grunt work? How much research did you really do to hire a president a day later or two days later? I have questions. I have questions. And that's yeah. So it doesn't mean it won't work. It doesn't mean that Leon Rose won't be the guy that saved the Knicks. I'm not saying that's not the case, but those parameters, those potential motivations, they concern me a little bit. So look, we've heard that Dolan has, has had a music mogul Steve Scout, Steve Stout, yep, kind of in his in his ear. You know, we kind of we talked about for the last couple. Uh, Last couple of months, you know, Dolan must have somebody easier, a shadow GM, a shadow advisor who's telling him stuff. And basically, we've heard over the last week that it's, it, it, it's been this dude, I, Steve I can't, Stout. I can't believe it's Steve Stout. But I can, because it's I mean, the next. It's so bizarre, right? It's crazy. It's so bizarre. But honestly, like, you know, and Dolan, he's a, he's a brand consultant. You know, he's worried about the brand of James Dolan, the brand of the New York Knicks. Um... So I think it's interesting how, because the question people are wondering is why we talk. We always try to find ways to make the Knicks look dumb. You know, it's on, on some level the Knicks mess up in all in all aspects uh, for some people. So the question those people are having is, all right, you want to hire Leon Rose? We can't pick apart that. We can't pick apart that hire just yet because we got to see how it plays out. But why do that now? Literally, why hire him the day of the trade deadline and put yourself in a position where now you're trading guys, you don't know what Leon Rose wants, you know, you have a, a GM who knows he's not going to be there making making calls, you don't really have a president of basketball operations tied down, like, it's just an awkward timeline, now you're rushing everything, and you end up, I mean, the trade down, we'll, we'll talk about that later, what the mm-hmm. Knicks ended up with, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't a splash, obviously, and I think a lot of that has to do with they they didn't have a they didn't have a real like front office. But um, so that's what people are wondering is why do it now? I think that they I think Dolan and Stout decided that after those sell the team remarks, they couldn't go forward with Steve Mills. Which it's, had, it's it's sad to me that that's what it took because there's a, there's a lot of evidence to tell you that this Steve foolish. Mills thing ain't going to work out. Yeah, it's full. But again, it's it's not about the results, it's about the image. Mm-hmm. And once Dolan realized that the image was irreparable at this point with this guy Steve Mills, they needed something to change his image. And so they figured, look, not only will we fire Mills, but we are going to hire someone immediately. Because if you go the rest of the year all the way into June, that's a lot of time for people to continue to take pot shots at Dolan, take pot shots at the organization. Because you don't need a GM in through the months of February to April if your team is as bad as the Knicks are. Mm-hmm. A lot of you just need somebody to get the ball rolling again, make the the basic G League call up transactions, send down yeah. transactions. You don't need you know, and I mean, ideally you want somebody in place to get a structure ready, but like. And make phone calls for head coach and get their organization intact, but it's not a necessity. But again, it's a it's an image thing. Now that leads me to my next thing. Why hire Leon Rose? 
And, I mean, you mentioned, obviously, the connections Rose has with CAA um, and, what, and, obviously, the connections CAA has with the Knicks. Um, and I think this goes to why they're looking at an agent. Now, one, obviously, I think Steve Stout is somebody that is going to be comfortable and recommend probably some of these types of people. Um, you know, I, I, I would imagine, I, I, I mean, I mean, we've seen Steve Stout on the shot, so I, I would, I wouldn't be shocked if Rich Paul was in the conversation as well, but, um, what yeah, Stout, I Stout has a very close relationship to the LeBron circle, inner circle. Yeah, that's exactly. Been, that's been Stout for a long time, which doesn't make this interesting, which we'll probably yeah, get to, but continue. But, um, but what I will say is, um, we like, so I think... Their thing with the agent goes back to the image thing, because I don't think that this is really that similar to the Warriors and Lakers thing. You know, the Warriors, they did take a chance on Bob Myers, and they were very, um, they were trailblazers in taking that approach uh, into hiring, you know, an agent as a general manager. Um Bob Myers had actually has, has played, you know, yes, exactly. so that that's, that certainly helps. And Rob Link has played as well, but you know, yeah, Rob Link had had such a close tie to the Lakers and Jeannie Buss and with Kobe. Yeah, I mean, and not to say that Leon Rose and Dolan don't have a relationship, but it's different. Mm-hmm. Like Polinka is a household name within the Lakers family. Yeah, Polinka. Yeah, I was gonna say Polinka's like family to Jeannie and those people. Yeah, exactly. So. You know, it'd be, you know, like that's like that was that's almost more akin to when the Knicks hired Phil Jackson. But um, this seemed like a straight we're going to hire the best agent. Like it's more like what the Mets did with hiring Brody Van Wagner, mm-hmm. whether or not you think that's a good move or not. is a whole nother conversation. Honestly, this would be like if a, if a baseball team hired Scott Boris. Yeah. But um, which score Boris probably will never do because you know oh, he makes no. weight. That's a massive pay cut to be a GM. Yeah, that's a massive pay cut. Ten percent he's getting on three hundred million dollar contracts. Nah, <laughs> yeah, he, he, oh, he, nah, he ain't doing that. He's not doing. It. Nah, he's good. Um, ownership is a whole other conversation. But yeah. Um, but no. So like, but my thing is, I think that they wanted an agent because think about how the Leon Rose hire has been taken by the media so far. Pretty positive. Pretty positive, right? Yep. I, you know, of course you're going to have your, your detractors, but for the most part, the basketball media has been very positive. They've said, we'll give it a chance. He's a well-connected guy. Leon's a smart guy. He's a smart basketball guy. A lot of these people know Leon Rose. Some of them don't. But some of them do. Do, you, do we think that and I'm not accusing anybody of making things up or accusing anybody of not giving their honest opinion, but mm-hmm. do we think that Leon Rose's relationships with not only players, but with the media, a guy the who's been, a, guy who's been mm-hmm. a source for a lot of people. For sure. On a lot of levels. And now he's going to be running the most interesting franchise in basketball going forward yep. right now in the New York Knicks, you don't think that that has any impact on the media, the media approach to this. And I'm not saying, I'm not accusing anybody of any malfeasance, but mm-hmm. you know, you just have to, you just have to wonder. 
Sometimes, it, I, sometimes it can be it can be subconscious biases that you have. It could, yeah, it could also be subconscious. Like I said, a lot of people just know him. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have people, you know, on ESPN talking about World Wide West, like you know, oh yeah, you know, we go we go way back. You know, I'm like, I mean, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm sure you guys go way back, but does yeah. that make us a good hire? Now, personally, I think these are good hires, so that's why I'm not super paranoid about them people making stuff up. Because mm-hmm. I, if I feel it, then other people have the right to feel it as well, but mm-hmm. it is something you have to consider. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I wouldn't be shocked if Leon Rose and Steve Stout knew that, told Dolan that. Mm-hmm. Like, this will get you want to get the media too. off your back? Because the media are the people that go to the fans. They shaped Now, it's so interesting with the Knicks, though. You know, you know it a little bit, but me being a Knicks fan who kind and a media member who kind of... I'm not a Knicks media member, but a New York media member who kind of steps in both lanes here like it's weird because there are also a large segment of fans that totally reject the media right because the media is so negative because dolan is so negative to them and bad to them according to them so it's like this very weird relationship where like it's kind of odd to see the fans and the media for the most part cool with what just happened. At the very least, not like immediately immediately bashing it. Like there are some people that are kind of having their concerns and saying whatever. But no, for the most part, I feel like most part they're like, oh, okay. This guy's everybody know if you follow basketball, you know who Leon Rose is. And you know the kind of star power he attracts as an agent. So you're like, okay. It's at least making people hold, which is exactly what Phil Jackson did when Dolan hired him. It's exactly what he wanted, which is what you're saying. It makes a good point about Stout and Rose possibly pitching Dolan onto that. Now, in terms of the media reaction, it's again subconscious biases are possible. I I think I think the reason why another reason why I think there is kind of people kind of holding is because one, there is clear there is clear evidence that I do want to get to in a second. There is clear evidence that right now that model has worked. In a great way for some organizations, high-profile organizations. So, if you're a media member, and those media members, man, the ones that are mostly negative, I don't gotta mention them. You know who they are. If you're a Knicks fan, they get crushed by the Knicks fans. I mean, anybody. Yeah. I mean, social media is just awful. Like, I, even, and like sometimes, I mean, I have disagreements with them too. I've tweeted at them too. Some of them have tweeted back at me. So, I like like. While I may disagree with them, I don't want to ever, I never envy the position of you putting out whatever you want to put out for whatever reason you're doing. I'm not going to say you have an agenda. It could just be how you feel and you're just reporting it how you report it. And then getting the hate that you're going to get. Because that's what those guys get. Some of them. They get yeah. massive hate. So, to me, it's like, could Rose override that? Like, and make them feel like, hey, let me maybe not jump on this. I don't know if you're doing that consciously. Like I, I just I feel like right. if you're kinda of wired to be a certain way, you're always gonna find a way to say it. But I do think that it makes it difficult when people clearly go to you and say, fam, the the Lakers and Warriors are winning. How are you gonna possibly just like just just crap on the Knicks for doing something that other teams did that worked well and getting a guy who's way more well known and, and better at his job as an agent than those guys were. Like Again, right. it's kind of and some and not, it's not foolproof, but it is kind of a good argument that like people just might not want to invite that kind of conversation. 
So, and yeah, I think also yeah, that yeah. it's a little bit of an advantage that he has no experience, even though that would be something that maybe you would think that people would jump onto. I think because there's no nothing to look back on, there's no track record to say, play. oh, look, he traded for this guy. That was a stupid decision. Look at this draft pick. Like, the only you thing can't do that with Leon Rose. The only thing people are foolishly, in my opinion, looking at with his track record is, look, when CAA was basically running the Knicks, they told the Knicks to bring Andrea Bargani because he was a CAA guy. And I'm like, know. and I'm like, first of all, that that should be proof that Leon Rose knows how to do his job. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's damn acting good. in the best interest of CAA. Yeah, he was not acting in the best interest of the New York Knicks when he told them to bring in his guy, Andre Bargani. He was working in the best interest of CAA and Andre Bargani. Yes, whether or not the Knicks, they didn't have to do anything. <laughs> right, their foolish management at the time and ownership decided to listen to him. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that Le- see Leon Rose doesn't know how to. It, I'm I don't I mean I don't know, but I don't know if Leon Rose would have done that if he if if he knew he was going to lose his job. Man, that man that, that man knows Andrea Bargnani as well as his family. He ain't, there's no way in hell he's <laughs> taking a contract for a first round pick. He yeah, knows exactly. we thought we knew Bargnani. He knows him better than we do. He knows him better yeah. than most of his family members probably. You know that as someone who studies sports sports yeah. management. He would not have made that move knowing who Bargnani is. Come on. Yeah. It's like, so, so I agree. That's a ridiculous, that's, that's a ridiculous that's statement. Only, yeah, that's the, only, that's the only thing people have picked that. What I will say about the Leon Rose hire for me personally, not to get off like the media conspiracy, but for me, look, I think that this makes sense. I, I like the hire because a lot, look, for me, it's in the, I, I already threw out months ago when we were talking about getting rid of Mills and those guys. I talked about, I think Rich Paul should have been hired by the no, Knicks. That's what you said. That was the idea I threw out. You know, I, you know, I, I was called crazy, you know, cause, <laughs> but for me, I think this is in the same exact spirit of hiring Rich Paul. It's not the same guy. It's a little different. Um, but the, the reasons why I wanted Rich Paul with the Knicks are the same reasons why I think that this could work. You know, we're talking about a guy that's massively connected in the basketball world, you bring in Worldwide West, and that that you know brings that up another notch. Um, of course, you worry about these guys having their own, uh, both you know they have their their allegiances and their enemies, and mm-hmm. you hope that that doesn't affect basketball decisions too much. Um, I mean, we we talked about earlier how look, Mitchell Robinson just signed with Clutch Sports. Yeah. You know, and Clutch Force and CAA are, are bitter rivals. Yes. If you guys that, don't know, Rich Paul used to work for CAA and was a protege, yeah, LeBron was remember, a protege remember, of Leon Rose. Yeah, and, remember when LeBron was so close to uh, World Wide West and yes. John Calipari? Yeah. You Now you never see LeBron and John Calipari. Nope. Because you know. Ro- Paul, LeBron, left CAA to go to – because Rose was LeBron's agent, which a lot of people yes. forget. He left Rose and CAA to go to Rich Paul, who then started his own agency. And it was seen as a massive, you know, you know cool. yeah, cool. And it was kind of like a, you know, oh, like a betrayal. Like, you know, you know, like in The Godfather, how do you do this to me, my own son? Like, like you know, that's kind of how it was looked at at the time. And I'm sure there's, there's got to be still bad blood because these are the two top basketball agencies probably in the NBA. So, right. So that. So. Yeah. So. So when I say like you know, 
so you, what you don't want is then Leon Rose saying to saying to him and West saying, "All right, so we don't want any clutch sports guys." On yeah, Mitchell Robinson, let's Rich dump ball. all. Yeah, we'll we'll dump him at any that cost. Can't, that like, can't happen. Block. You know, like that can't happen. They have to be willing to play ball with certain people. And Rob Polinka has been willing to play ball with people for the most part, but at the same time, have people been able been willing to play ball with Rob Polinka all the time? Doesn't seem like it. No. You know, he's had to make deals. I don't say deals with the devil, but he's had to do things that I'm sure he didn't want to do. You know, he's had to give Contavious Caldwell Pope a virtual max contract in order to sign LeBron. Mm-hmm. You know, like he had to give him he had to give him twenty million. Like that's those are the things that like you hope you also hope that Leon Rose isn't forced to do. So there are issues with this in terms of bringing in the agent, but in terms of bringing in that guy that knows how to run a business, knows how to be successful at running a business, knows basketball, um, has connections, uh, can recruit high-level free agents, uh, can evaluate talent. Because if you're an agent, you know, you have to be able to. Yeah, I mean, he knows the whole league. He's yeah, called, he knows- his players are being traded to all these different teams. He's talking yes. to all these different he's, teams. He's probably talked to almost every player in the league at some point. Yes, every GM knows who he is. Redraft. There's a conversation already. Yeah. There's, a, there's a, 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 you know, a rapport. And, you know, he's got the biggest stars. So I'm sure he has his enemies just like every agent. And but that, he's the kind of guy that I, I feel like he's probably stepping over a lot of whoever whatever enemies he's made yeah. during his time as an that's agent. That's what's interesting about Rose and West is that those guys, I mean, Rich Paul's obviously extremely popular right now because of what he's done with LeBron and AD and some of these guys. But, um, you, I mean, these guys, Wes especially, are still extremely popular with the young star. You know, CAA still is probably the top dog when it comes to basketball agencies, and especially when it comes to star players under 25, 26. That's... That is certainly interesting. Now, I don't think it means much for the Knicks right now in the short term, especially after the Minnesota trade, which we'll talk about. But because um, a lot of these guys are under contract and or and or going to be restricted free agents coming up, so it's not as if you know they're going to go out recruiting Donovan Mitchell, you know. But um, it is still it is still interesting to think about, and I don't know what this means in terms of head coach. I, I honestly like. One, I mean, we mentioned the clutch sports thing. I don't, I, from what I know, I think Mark Jackson is rep by Rich Paul. So I don't know if, or at least clutch sports. So I don't, I don't know if he's really even going to be a candidate. Um, but I expect John Calipari to be a candidate. And that could just lead to another contract extension from the already lifetime contract he has. But yeah, here, two um, lifetimes. <laughs> two yeah, lifetimes yeah, yeah, are yeah. you signed for now. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think this is a good hire. Um, but there's just a lot of there's a lot of a lot of angles to this. I mean, according, I assume... according to Isola, for what it's worth, Rose is close to Van Gundy, Thibodeau, and Mark Jackson. Yeah. So you know, yeah, and I've heard Thibodeau from other people, um, and I'll see Thibodeau and Van Gundy are close. So, and we talk about what my one of my biggest issues with. Some of the Nick coverage is, I think, a unnecessary um, tip of the cap and unnecessary constant reminder of some of these figures of the Knicks past, particularly the 90s. A lot of it being 
you know, you have figures and co- you know, and, and and reporters who've covered the team during the night when they were good, and they constantly want to push the names of guys who played for the Knicks during the nineties or were around during the nineties during the successful years. So, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, Thibodeau, who's an assistant, like those names for the same uh, Nick media people kind of keep getting pushed. And my thing is why like there's reasons why those guys have had issues since they left the Knicks and why they don't have jobs why do you keep pushing them all the time and when you're talking though about like is are people kind of playing nice with this hire in terms of the media because of Leon Rose's ties to them well if Isola who some may argue is like one of the the head principles of that movement to get those 90s guys back into the fold with the Knicks if you want to say well here he's saying that Rose has close ties to Van Gundy, Thibodeau, and Jackson. We all know that the Nick media members have close ties to Van Gundy, Thibodeau, and Jackson. Who's connecting them? That might be him telling right. us something right there. You know what I'm saying? So, and look, if that's where it ends up going, I'm not excited about that. I don't want any of those guys coaching the Knicks. But what I will say real quickly is, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. The motivations concern me. The one thing I will say is when you're comparing it to the Lakers and Warriors, you got to remember those guys that were hired were hired as GMs first. They had presidents above them that allowed them to make moves and were helping, you know, maneuver their way through the league. Um, basketball people. Rose, by all accounts, won't have that, it seems like. So I don't know. No, who he's, he's under yeah, him. I don't know who the GM will be, but he's not going to have more power than Rose. So now Rose is, again, also has. Is, is a bigger figure than those two guys were as well. But still, that is still a little concerning to me. And also, you got to think, man, you didn't step into a roster that for, uh, you know, for the Lakers, you knew LeBron was coming. So Polenka already had one step. He's one step closer. He's already one step towards the championship with just that thing. Nothing that he did or his presence had anything to do with LeBron being a Laker. Rob, yeah, uh, no. true. But at the same time, like, what people people will say that, but I, I I will push back on the narrative that Polinka was gifted LeBron, only to say that, or that even people will say, well, no, Magic got them LeBron. Well, we have to realize that LeBron, getting LeBron, I mean, look, when he took the job, they were the worst team in the league. And getting LeBron took a lot of brunt work from Rob Polinka and in Magic as well. I mean, they, they all, they, you know, he's a part of the front office, but took a lot of brunt work to you know, curry that favor with Rich Paul. And That's fair. I just would argue, Ken, though. Who quickly. would know that? Who would know that 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 life and what was necessitated by that better than an, another agent like Rob Palenka? That's fair. I would push back, in my opinion, by just saying I think that another GM could do that to get into the minutia of why I want to focus on this, but to get the minutia of why I could argue the Cavs did that the second time LeBron came back. They carried very much favors to Rich Paul. They gave Rich Paul he wanted, and LeBron came. So I don't think that that yes, Polinka had the had the relationships and knowing what the agent is like, and like he knew the things to do. But I literally saw the Cavs do the exact same thing. So I'm I personally am not going to give him that credit. I think Magic deserves credit because I think LeBron has talked about how he respected Magic and that made him feel comfortable. I don't think I think Polinka doing being the handyman. That could have been anybody, is my opinion. But that's that's an argument made for a different day. Um, my, my point about that was, you know, but that's my point about LeBron already on his way to L.A. The, the, the Warriors, they had 
elite talent that had to be cultivated, to be fair. But there was it was there. So the Knicks don't have that elite talent that's there or a star that, as far as I'm concerned, unless someone knows something I don't know, that is on the way. So for so for the people that are concerned about Rose's ability to rebuild a team, that's where I come in and I'm concerned about this the most. They do have assets, which is good. But they have assets. They have young talent. They're going to have a top five pick. And that's you true, know. Kendall, but real quickly, I just feel like while that's all true, I just I just think that when you're talking about rebuilding a team for a guy who has never done it before and banking on people coming, I just I guess my concern is the Knicks have been playing the Star Wars for ten years now. Literally ten years pretty much. And it's gotten them nowhere. This is their next move towards star wars and maybe this one will work this is the best attempt at it though i mean if this that's arguably that's and i would probably agree with that the rest of them were were didn't didn't make as much sense as they thought it did no and i and i agree with that on face value this is their best attempt at that game why would guys want to play with steve mills or play for steve i never believe yeah i always thought that that was kind of ridiculous Steve Mills has so many connections i'm like all right yeah (laughs) with who yeah He's worked for the Garden the last 20 years. Yeah. People, <laughs> man. The Garden will spend everything. Um, But to me, while all that's true, I still feel like that game has not won them well. When I think that the the the, the way to build a normal team could absolutely be the way the Knicks find their way to success. In fact, maybe that's the way they should do it. Try not to do these shortcuts. Yes, I know the Lakers just did a massive shortcut, and they got right back to contention. That I, I get that that happened, and maybe there's a reason to think the Knicks can do the same thing. But I think if they just do it right and have the right people developing the players, the right guys drafting the players, you can get to that same level without having to try to rush to do something that maybe you're not able to do. Like, I'm concerned, does having hiring a guy like Leon Rose hurt the fact that you have these young assets that are still on the team right now? Will that hurt their development because they don't have necessarily a guy who maybe knows the best guys to develop talent in terms of getting a coaching staff, getting... Of uh, you know, you know, assistant coaches and uh, I mean, that's, front office that's, people. That's, that's the worrisome like, part. That's, but that's I, the concern I have. This is a team that's that's they're not a year fixed. They were a year fixed. I'd say I'm. I don't look all those kids. I don't care. Let's just like the Lakers. Get them out of here and let's get what, get what to, I think to championship. Means, With the Knicks, it's not going to be like that. So there has that element has to be still a big factor in whoever you're hiring. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they skipped that. Last thing, See, I think Leon Rose is. Um, He's not signing up for this thing to to develop RJ Barrett and some of these guys like that scares me, man. It's Robinson, that, Kevin Kendall. Oz that Frank. scares me because every guy but, we but, keep hiring but, is the guy that says I'm going to be able to bring in elite talent, and they never are able to. So if well, that, yeah, so if that's I not mean, part of your, if that's not part of your here. goal, and that's not part of what your strength is, and you're not concerned about it, you may end the point where you have no choice but to develop an R.J. Barrett, a Franklin Lakina, a Mitchell Robinson. You might not have well, a choice. Well, my thing is, you know, it's not about a choice because, and it, look, we don't know what the moves these guys make, but my point is that I think Leon Rose is going to shake up this roster massively. I do this agree with that. Um, um, I, this offseason, I mean, really? R.J. Barrett's going to be gone. Like He'll probably still be there, but like all these guys, they will have a star player on this team going to next season more than likely. Mm. Um, the the issue though, I just don't know I'll if have, you can get it without RJ. But continue, potentially, potentially. But the issue that I have with uh, Leon Rose, beyond you mentioned, you know, not not having experience building with an organizational structure, 
uh, of a sports organization. Like, he has experience dealing with them, but not building one himself. That's an obvious one. But I'm worried about, we're talking about two figures, especially William Wesley, but also Leon Rose, who are very, very, very uh, mysterious. And Yo, finding pictures of Leon Rose was not easy, man. Like, he, you want to talk about mysterious? And look, as a basketball fan, as a guy who was a Memphis basketball fan, who has who dealt with World Wide West as a part of the program <laughs> on some level? It's it's been hard to it's I've never been able to find pictures of the guy. I know what he looks like, but it's very rare that that guy has ever. And he's been a household not a household name, but he's been a name in basketball circles for over well over a decade. And you, you're going to find the same five pictures of him. One of them being him grabbing Ron Artest yeah during the Malice of the Palace, but um. The thing about World Wide West and Leon Rose, those guys being so mysterious is worrisome because the Knicks are going to – because we know James Dolan's not going to say anything. And when he does, it's only going to be negative. So they're going to need somebody. Maybe it is Leon Rose, but they're going to need somebody who knows how to navigate the New York media. And, like, being an agent is one thing. You know how to spin and sell in private, but – being public faces. What, what's Leon Rose's temperament going to be in the public eye? Yeah, against the media, against the media core that is ruthless. That is ruthless. Yeah, and it's going to be taking jabs at him unless, like I said, unless they are so sure. Because again, the media is the media is fine now. Yeah, when he hasn't done anything and they're trying to curry favor and what what have you. But once they have, once the relationships have been established and the hierarchy has been established, guys, they're going to be media members ready to strike at the first mistake. And when that happens, he's going to have to be willing. He's, yeah, we're just going to see. We're going to have to be able to see these guys, you know. Or are these guys going to stay just as mysterious as front office guys as they've been behind the scenes? Maybe not. Maybe, 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 maybe not. Or maybe they'll hire a GM who could be that guy. I don't know who it is. Maybe Chauncey Billups or somebody. I don't know. But, like, like that's the only issue that I have with these two guys running basketball operations is that they've been so mysterious and we're talking about it's not like they have an owner that's very much out there. Oh yeah, exactly. No, it's a great point, man. Um let's uh, we we went way over time. Let's try to get through these trades fairly quickly. So there was a busy trade deadline this week. Um let's get to some of them just I'm going to run through them real quickly and we, I want you to give me which one Sticks out to you the most. So, D'Angelo Russell going from the Warriors to the T-Wolves in exchange for Andrew Wiggins, some role players in a first-round, first-round, second-round pick. The Knicks traded Marcus Morris to the Clippers in a part of a three-team deal. Uh, Isaiah Thomas is also going to the Clippers in that deal. Mo Harkless goes to the Knicks. They also get a first-round pick in return. Jerome Robinson, the young player for the Clippers, goes to the Wizards. Uh, Andre Drummond being shipped out of Detroit to Cleveland. John Henson and Brandon Knight, and second-round pick, go back to Cleveland. Or excuse me, go back to Detroit. Uh, Andre Godala, this massive standoff he had with the Grizzlies was fascinating and how the young players, Morant and Bill, and uh, Dylan Brooks, were just overtly just disrespecting him. Well, no, like, they Iguodala had no, was, I mean, they were – I don't know if they were disrespecting him. They were he, disrespecting him. Let's make it he clear. Was, he was a complete clown. <laughs> he was a, a complete clown. And you know what? He looks even more ridiculous after he ends up in Miami – a team that I think has almost just as much of a winning a championship as 
Memphis. Yeah, but it's Mike but Kendall. Is he got a two year? And deal. I understand why he wants to go there. And, and it's maybe, Miami. <laughs> it's, it's upgrade. No dis- like, I know you love Memphis. You have an affinity for Memphis. No disrespect to Memphis. But if I'm gonna have a first or second round exit in the playoffs, would I want to spend the time till that point in February, March, and April in Memphis? They got good barbecue, got good music, but that's kind of it. Like, am, so am I, I gonna do? Am I gonna do it on the beach? It's not easy. It's like, easy hey, answer I can't there. wait to. I hear this guy talking. About, I can't wait to you know play. I keep hearing about this guy. Bam, he's a good young player, and you know I'm like, yo, <laughs> you, you don't realize you you could have played with John Morant. And how much better he would have made you look. <laughs> but, but all right. You know, I mean, I guess he just doesn't want to get blasted by the Lakers in the first round. I, I mean, I get it. That's what's going to happen <laughs> by the, by the, to the Grizzlies. But what have you. And then uh, the last big deal was uh, happened. It, it just set it all off. Was uh, Clint Capella going to the um, going to the Hawks as a massive part of a massive four-team deal. Um, the Hawks also got Nene in that deal. Um the uh, Rockets, yeah, so the Rockets got uh, Robert Covington, uh, Jordan Bell, and a first-round pick from the Warriors in 2024. The T-Wolves uh, end up getting Blake Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez from the Denver Nuggets, who also part of this deal. Uh, Evan Turner and a Brooklyn first-round pick from this year also goes to the T-Wolves. The Nuggets got Shabazz Napier, Gerald Green, Kata Bates. A lot of these guys aren't even on these teams anymore. Yeah, a lot of some of these guys got cut and moved, but that was the original deal when it all happened. Um, Kendall? Which one stands out to you? Um, yeah, I mean, look, the the D'Angelo Russell trade uh, was obviously wild. Um, be in because, like, look, I, I mean, it's an excellent trade for Minnesota. They had to make it. Um, that's given a, no, that's a no-brainer. Now, that deal, yeah, it's, it's a no-brainer. Like if that if that's the deal on the table, you have to take it. Obviously, you don't love giving up your first round pick next year or any picks that will end up being unprotected. But I mean, I mean, look, we're talking about a team that you know, Carlton Towns is on the clock. And I know he's got four or five more years left on his contract, but they're still on the clock. And as we've seen guys. with these guys like Paul George and some of these other guys, yeah, like demand to trade whatever yeah, you want. Yeah, that I only got one year left. That's when I'm going to demand a trade. That's kind of dead. Yeah, why so George? Rosas. Yeah, yeah, Gerson Rosas knew the that they were on the clock, and he knew they had to make a move. And I mean, he he made it for for Golden State. It's very interesting because I've seen the I, I I've seen the argument. Obviously, look from a basketball position standpoint, they don't need DeAndre Russell. They don't need DeAndre Russell. And they can use a guy like Andrew Wiggins more than probably DeAndre Russell in theory. Um, I also agree that I think if Andrew Wiggins is at his best, he is not that much worse. In fact, he could be better than the Andrew Russell at times. But I just don't think that they got great value for what the the the, the asset of the, for the asset that the Andrew Russell is. And I'm not saying he's got massive value throughout the league, but they've they've talked about trying to get a star player. And I've even heard people defending this move by saying, "Look." You get Andrew Wiggins, this gives you another chance to get a star player because you could also move Andrew Wiggins and your draft pick for a star. But Andrew Wiggins and the draft pick has, in my opinion, I would imagine, less value than D'Angelo Russell in the draft pick. So so I don't think that this means that they are trying to move Wiggins. I think that they think that they can develop Wiggins. But Mm -hmm. if this was the plan from when you 
moved KD, I mean, obviously, I don't think it was the plan. But if this was this is the result, that's that's an unfortunate, I think, uh, turn of events because we talked about them trying to get superstars. Yep. With Russell and you know they were going to be bad, and we were all man, they got so many assets. And I think getting the first round pick was sneaky because who's to say what Minnesota looks like next year? Who's to say what Minnesota looks like in general? Um, I would have preferred to have this year's first round pick since Minnesota is already bad. Yeah. But Minnesota, risk. you know, probably told the line there because they knew they weren't like, you know, they like they told the line in that in that sense. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota, I thought, had a really masterful trade deadline. Yeah. So, that I mean, look, that's the move that obviously was the massive blockbuster for me. Um, and then, I mean, the Drummond one was obviously also very uh, bizarre because Cleveland literally gave him nothing. So, again. Like Russell, the move you kind of have to make if you're Cleveland. Um, but but like if you're Detroit, I mean <laughs> Detroit fans, Detroit fans, and Golden State fans were furious by the <laughs> by the uh, by yeah, the Russell. I know. Yeah, they were furious. Now Detroit fans, on the other hand, you would think that they would have been upset. A lot of them are just like, we're just glad Drummond's gone. So I thought that was a funny reaction. <laughs> yeah, like but you would think, and that's you know you know there there will be. There are fan bases of other teams who have tried to make the case for getting Andre Drummond, and you know, as the Knicks being one of those teams that were reportedly interested in him. Whenever I see a fan base hates a guy, that tells me a lot. I don't, don't give me his box score. When I see people that watch him every day celebrating his eventual departure, I don't know if that's a guy I want on my team. That's fair. You know, it's it's just, I you know, I don't watch Andre Drummond every game. I watch him a little bit. I'm usually not that impressed, but but I don't hate him. I don't think he's a bad player. He's a fine player. But when I see people that watch him every day, that deal with his nonsense every day, celebrating his departure, and they got nothing in return, I'm like, hmm, I'm glad my team doesn't have him. <laughs> Especially when I already got a 20-year-old center. I don't, I, I don't, we definitely don't need him. Um, yeah, this was interesting. I mean, you talked about the Warriors deal. Obviously, I agree. I think that the, the, the Warriors, I don't know, something make, is there something we put D'Angelo Russell we don't know? Well, like, I, I know he had his issue with the Lakers. From a while ago, I don't think that's affecting it issue. now. He had an issue with the airport. Obviously, it also was not great. But right, but like um, an all-star point guard from last year. Okay, he's he's on a, a terrible team, but he's still putting up massive numbers. He has some injuries, but he's still putting up really great numbers. Having his best year career-wise, twenty-three point six assists. And you got to take a guy who most people feel like is a looter and a riot kind of numbers guy in Wiggins. We thought he was an untradeable contract they would have to add a first round pick to. Right. Just to trade. And yeah. in theory they did but they were able to get a star player that they Yeah, they got, a, they got a player they wanted. <laughs> like yeah. that was going to be the price if you wanted to dump Andrew Wiggins. Now to be fair to Wiggins he's played a lot better than when those conversations were being had in the summer. So uh, things have changed and I get that. But even still Wiggins, Wiggins on his best day which has been this entire season I wouldn't have thought that you can get what I think happened, no, star caliber point guard who's best friends with my my franchise player that I have, I have to keep at all costs. What, Never what in I my millions, happened, I thought that that would have been possible. What I think happened with Russell was I think if you watched Minnesota play last night, Carlton Towns just completely gave up. It was, even rightfully so. He had some comments after the game that also weren't great. And if you watched Golden State play last night, against Brooklyn, in Brooklyn, DeAndre Russell's old old team, you know, you would think Russell would have a tremendous performance. He was awful. Yeah. 
played awful. He was a minus 48 team lost by 41 points. So I think that that was kind of the nail in the coffin. Because they had been rejecting offers all week, saying, oh, no, it's not enough. What we're getting is not enough. And then you lose by 40, and DeAndre Russell probably has his worst game of the season. I think that they were spooked that he could play like that the rest of the year. And that he could potentially play like that uh, if they somehow he's still on the roster by next season and you're actually trying to win games, he could play like that. And, like, I don't know if their plan was ever to keep him for next season ever. Sure. But, like... If they wanted to, like, they, 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 their plan could have been we're going to trade him at the draft with our lottery pick. They may have felt, man, his value by that point, if he has an awful end to the season, could be really low. That's fair. And they, I think they just didn't even want to mess around because the way Cat played, the way he played, those guys looked like they didn't want to be there um, in either situation. And... It was alarming, I think, to both, and I think they both got what they wanted. And I, 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 I you have to feel like I think Minnesota was concerned, had to have been concerned also by what the Knicks were doing with hiring Leon Rose because yeah, that deal happened as soon as they Leon don't Rose get because the Knicks were were also going very hard after DeAndre Russell. Yeah, and honestly, I think that they should have went harder after DeAndre after DeAndre Russell. But what? The, but what was? It's all. It's, it's easy to say that, but you don't know the, what was the price. Like what was the price that they I were mean, asking for? The Warriors. Got you, in, you just you can't. When you're the Knicks, you cannot give up your first round picks. You just can't. You don't know that that like that pick could be the number one pick because you're that. I bad. mean, I'm not giving up my own first round picks, but I would have given up Dallas's first round pick. But is that enough? Like, how many young players would you didn't have to give up based on giving up Dallas's pick? Am I giving up R.J. Barrett? Am I giving up no. Mitchell Robinson? Like, how and Maybe. how many of them? Okay, if I'm giving up Mitchell Robinson, am I also giving up Kevin Knox? Though he looks awful right now, but am I giving him up to oh. it? Am I also giving I up Frank Lakina? Like, that's I guess that's the thing. It's like I say that, even if I am willing I to give not, up Mitch, what else am I giving up because I'm giving him Dallas's pick? It's almost less to do with trying to get Russell as much as it would have been keeping Russell away from Minnesota and trying to get Towns. And you but can how, still try. How easy would that have been if I had to give up so many assets to get Russell? Because Towns ain't gonna be no free agent anytime soon. He's not gonna be a free agent anytime soon. So you would think his thing would be huge. Yes, exactly. Uh, and that's something that they had to wrestle with. But I think that's eventually why they they just decided we're gonna have to just let the chips fall the way they may. Hope he doesn't end up. Yeah. Like, hope that he's still after. Yeah. But like, and he still may. Or just hope that you no know, Russell didn't end up in mini. Like they could have said, hopefully he lands somewhere else, so they don't come up with a deal. But they, right, yeah, they okay. couldn't afford to give up that price for a guy they don't really want that much, right? Because, because they want, they I really think, want the other guy. Because if you, if you get Russell now, Towns is dying to come to the Knicks. Exactly, because that's, that's, that's his that's his favorite team, and that's, that's why team I, that's the only reason why I say I would have went almost all in to try and get him. But if you just don't have the pieces, you don't they, have the pieces. They didn't have the leverage. Yeah, they just didn't have the leverage to make that work. Um, because Cat's contract is long term, but yeah, it should just feel like a missed opportunity, especially considering there aren't, as we've talked about, there aren't any massive free agents that no. just make sense for the Knicks. Yeah, exactly. like Giannis is the guy, but there's no reason to think Leon Rose is going to get Giannis to come. Yeah, but uh, Detroit and the Knicks have the most cap room this off season, and nobody, nobody ever wants to go to those places, and. 
uh, nobody's available. So I don't know. Yeah. What, I don't know what that's going to mean or how they're going to spend that money this year. So I, that will be interesting to see. Um, in terms of the trade trades, other trades that I thought were intriguing, I tell you what, man, this Clint Capella thing is kind of weird. Like the, like yo, the memes of people online talking about uh, PJ Tucker being the first six five center in NBA history. Those they were so funny because yeah. I mean we can talk about downsizing and small ball fives, but PJ Tucker is going to play the five for the Rockets at points in this season and in the playoffs. That's gonna happen. Yeah, not at points like most of the time. Yeah, like, that's his primary position. Because when they when you talked about I talked about how they got Jordan Bell and they was like okay well at least they got Jordan Bell I know he's six eight but at least he, he, he can play center they got rid of him exactly they got rid Memphis of him. so you're like whoa that was a great pickup by Memphis but it was a good pickup by Memphis they 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 completely dumped him so so for Bruno Caboclo <laughs> I mean and look Jordan Jordan Bell has some talent but there are some character questions so oh yeah there's some issues yeah so but he actually would have been an interesting replacement for Capella. Exactly. Like, I mean, he could probably give you 75%. Yeah, he's, he's kind of like a rich man's Marquise Chris, a guy who they had and they actually kind of liked. You right. Know? So, like, or he might have to be on the team now. I'm not sure. I, I feel like I might have no, in, uh, Golden State. He's in Golden State. I, these, both of those guys swap team. They look similar. I got confused. Yeah. So, yeah, no, they have, they have like, no big men on the roster. Yeah. yeah they got yeah, Hartenstein might be the only guy. I mean, so I don't – that's not going to work. I mean, let's just, I'm going to just keep it 100. I'm going to tell you right now. There's no way in hell PJ Tucker at six five is starting center. You're gonna win Yo, good luck playing with it's them not, on two K, man. Yo, they might be an unplayable team on two K, and that's crazy because you got Harden and Westbrook. But I don't. Yo, you can't, you can't win that game without. A you can't what? win no games with a six five center. You get no chance. <laughs> it's too easy. To, it's easy. It's, they made the game too easy to score on mismatches now. So that like, it almost doesn't matter who your center is on the other team, if. Like yeah, they're gonna be almost. And this is gonna be a wild experiment in real life. I don't see how it ends well. Now that's that could be like unfair because like, well, did you really think this team was gonna beat the Lakers and Clippers anyway? I would have gave them a fighting chance with Capella. I don't know. I don't know why they're doing this. I don't know why they hate Capella. I, I'll be honest. I you know, maybe I should have. Uh, maybe there's more out there that you know I'll see and they'll explain it to me. Uh, and Rocco is a good role player. Plays defense. You know, can hit the three. He had, he's had some miserable playoff runs the last few years. Philly was in the playoffs, but that aside, I mean, he brings value. He's not a scrub at all. But when you don't have any other center, and Capella's your only center, and he's a guy who gets you two blocks a game, he gets you thirty to fourteen rebounds a game, he can get you fifteen points. And there are going to be some teams you're going to need a big man against, like the Lakers, like the Nuggets, like those are clear. Those two teams, their best players are centers, like. Why wouldn't you want to have a competent center on your roster, which Capella clearly is? He was awful in that series against the Warriors last year. I get that. Sometimes he could be a mess in certain small ball games in which he doesn't fit. But you got to build your team based on what the other teams, what teams you may have to go through in the playoffs. I don't see how it makes sense to have Gobert, have Jokic, and have ad as a team the the two the teams you're going to be going through to get to the final look, it's, and it's, have it's, pj it's, tucker playing center that just that yeah, looks crazy look, to me it, it's a massively it, it's a fun idea man like i think maury and d'antoni know this is the end i, I they smell it that. i think they know for has got his hands on the on the on the panic button 
and is ready to push it and get rid of those guys. First chance he can get, he 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 gets a chance. First chance he gets. So I think they're like, you know what? Screw it. We're just gonna go full tilt on our mad scientist system of no big men, all wings, shooters, three and D guys. And look, we'll see what happens. I I can't say for a fact that this won't work when I know they likely had no shot at winning it before. I won't say they had no shot. And that's that's almost like that's part of the reason why you almost have to respect the gamble because like. But they've gotten so close in the last couple of years and haven't done it. Now it was against Golden State, a team that they actually matched up pretty well against. I don't think they matched up well against these <laughs> Clippers and 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 Lakers. Right, teams. that's the issue. Yeah. So they might as well just say, you know what, screw Capella because he's not going to be playable against those teams anyway, for whatever reason. So but I think he is he playable has, against the Lakers. He's very I think playable. He's playable against Anthony Davis, but like that's, um, I think you're going to need a guy like that you need someone to be on the board. The Lakers play two centers sometimes. Like yeah. that's what I don't get is. But who? How like is, this? How like is last season, yes, it didn't make guard. sense to have him. This season, I feel like it does. But look, they those teams have to guard too, man. And good luck guarding a team with that much space. But PJ Tucker is not that dynamic a player. That's what, like if he was put him in the corner. No, but guarding. I I don't think that Joker is having an issue guarding PJ Tucker. I don't think good guard. He's not. Good, it's not go, about guarding PJ. Gobert is having an issue guarding him. Guarding James Harden and Russell Westbrook with a spaced out floor. That's the issue. Yeah. That's I issue. Un, I like, I get the logic. I just because now if Harden like, if Harden really plays bad, it's on him because they can't double, they can't, you know, crowd the paint, pack the paint. Like they they're gonna have to play the perimeter, and Harden's gonna have his his opportunity to dance, just, get to the rim, yeah. get to the foul line. I mean, it's gonna be on him, and he's gonna have to hit shots, and PJ Tucker and those guys have to hit shots. But I guess I just wish probably PJ Tucker work. and Austin Rivers and even Rocco. I wish those guys were better. Like if they were a little better, I might feel like okay, I mean, well, let's give this a shot. Like there's, they can make shots, they can make plays, but they're just so they're limited, they're streaky. I'm like, man, if you had some snipers out there, that I mean, he's talking a really I mean, good. Look, is a good they shooter, tried that before, but the, it, honestly, this the thing that we're talking about now is the same reason they've kind of lost the last two years. It hasn't been because of Clint Capella, even though he hasn't played great. A lot of it's been because the role players, as much as they've helped the system just haven't been good enough. It, it it particularly hurt them when P.J. Tucker, not P.J. Tucker, Trevor Ariza went like 0 for 10 <laughs> against Golden State in Game 7, I believe yeah. it was. Game 6. like Yeah, Game 7. Yeah, yeah, Game 7. Like, that kind of thing, like, that could, that'll that probably happen again this year where they'll rely on Robert Covington to give him 20, and they'll give him 5, and we'll say, oh, what, Robert Covington right. stinks? And it's like, well, he's Robert Covington. Yeah. He's not always going to play great. He's a streaky shooter. You know, we're not talking about Jimmy Butler. Yeah, but he was, he was, yeah, but he was always playing terrible during the playoffs last year. He wasn't always playing great. He was, yeah, he was always terrible in the last two playoffs. Now, so the last, the last team I want to talk about before we move on, mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, because they've been playing obviously awful basketball. Yes, they came into the trade deadline with an opportunity, I think, to improve the team. Not a great one because they kind of are strapped for cap room and cap flexibility. But they made a move to bring in Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson. 
Now, I, this I, I feel the trade deadline uh, apparently is becoming the new buyout market, where we're hearing that you know, oh, the the Sixers are bringing Alex Burks and Glenn Robinson to improve the the three point shooting and scoring of the team, and I'm like, you know how we you know how we feel. These guys that. hardly move the needle, man. I mean, especially I think Alex Burks can play. I think he'll probably play for them. I don't think Glenn Robinson is gonna play for that team much, but um. It's the same issue I had with this Sixers team last year. No, it was two years ago. It might have been last year. But I said the Sixers, I think I had the issue for two years or for at least a, whole, a one full year. But I said that the Sixers could not keep Markel Fultz at the trade deadline if they were serious about winning a championship. I said that last year. I think I may have said that the year before. Mm-hmm. They didn't last year. Because I think it, it's it represented them not being serious about winning a championship by keeping a guy who couldn't help them win games and wasn't really didn't have a great uh, future for, forecast. Although I may have been wrong in that, that aspect because he's playing well now. Yeah. Um. My issue is not with them keeping Matisse Thybulle because I think Matisse Thybulle is actually a very good player who could play and would play on every team in the league. My issue is. You keep a guy in Zaire Smith who can't really get on the court for you. I don't know what kind of value has around the league, but you're trading a bunch of second-round picks and stuff, and that, to me, screams we're being cheap. We don't want to trade Zaire Smith because we think he has a future here. <sighs> That's fine, but you're not serious about winning a championship. I'm sorry. Maybe they don't. Yeah. Maybe maybe they don't think they can win. Yeah, but it might be it too. <laughs> maybe they don't. They think look they can terrible win. right now. So like, why would we trade Zaire Smith in a trade to get us a piece that doesn't give us? Still won't give us a chance to win a championship. But like, my thing is, I think they could have got a good role player out there. I mean, money wise, like they're a guy they couldn't have gotten. Just like I said, because like they, it's not like they could have jumped in and tried to get Andre Drummond for obvious reasons, but. There was probably someone out there they could have went out and tried to get. I don't know. Could they have gotten Davies Bertans? Could they have made the money work on some aspect? Like, he would have been perfect. They need shooting. They need somebody who can space the floor. Honestly, I would have possibly looked at trading Al Horford if somebody would have taken him. But, like, for them to make no moves of note, like yeah i guess to me i i didn't get what you're saying as to me you know not moving the needle is how i, I agree with you on that you know alec burks it's not as bad as okay is alec, alec burks is he better than that. is burks better than neto and you know shake milton yes okay so he's a upgrade but at the minutes he's getting how much of an upgrade is he going to be if he's playing behind richardson and and uh and ben simmons i don't he's an upgrade but i don't know about how much is Glenn Robinson better upgrade than Mike Scott? I don't even know. I I, I I don't know. I can't tell you for sure he is. Um, you know, is he upgrade over Thibault? I mean, in some ways, yes. You know, he's longer, can play multiple positions, but Thibault is a better defender at the three and two. So, like, I guess to me, to me, they just, they just added a bunch of guys who I don't like. I don't know if they really change anything or if they even play you know like who's say that you know mike god doesn't supplant glenn robinson and glenn robinson never really sees the floor and, and burks is going to get some time especially because the way robert richardson's in and out of the lineup but is he changing life that much for them when richardson gets back 
uh, I don't know. So I agree. I don't. I don't think that they're. They. I agree. I don't think they were serious about winning. They. Uh, they. They were a team that was a. They, it wasn't going to happen because they didn't seem to have any interest in it. But they were a team that was clearly a. Uh, they were tailor made to make a like a super massive move, and I and I am talking about trading either Simmons or Embiid at this deadline. Like they were the team. Looking at how they're playing, look at how terrible things are. Just making the decision, saying, "You know what? This ain't working. We got to do something to massively shake this up." One, either one of these guys is going to bring back a massive coup. What's let's make an aggressive move here? Maybe we save. Maybe we save the season, or if we don't save the preseason, at least we save our future and we have something to look forward to moving forward. They they didn't do that. That would have been very aggressive. I admit it would have been a shocking move. But to me, they were terrible made for that kind of thing this weekend. This week, they just lost again to the Milwaukee Bucks, and Joel Embiid shot six for twenty six. Um, they're gonna have to yeah, ten of those shots were threes. So yes, this is crazy. I think they're gonna fire Brett Brown before we even get to the playoffs. I think that's how bad it's getting. I think, yeah, I, th- I, I don't, I don't disagree, man. I think that they might which not is have crazy. a choice. They, and they're not even that bad, which is scary. Like they're sixteen in the Eastern Conference, but that's very deceptive because they've got thirty-one wins. You know, we're not talking about a team that well, er- all, everything was all good until this four-game losing streak. I mean, they weren't playing that bad before then. They were actually playing really well no. before the four-game losing streak. Yeah, they, they, they are not good on the road. They're terrible. They've been terrible on the road this season. They've been up and down. They've had performances all year where, like, they'll beat the best teams in the league and then they'll lose to the worst teams in the league. And that's been the thing all year. Now they're just losing to everybody. I think what's <laughs> concerning about this this road trip is the lack of competitiveness. I mean, you lose nope. to the Hawks by 10. You lose to the Heat by 30. You lose to the Celtics by 20. I mean, the best game they had was against the Bucks. And they lost by 11. Like, like non-competitive on the road. That's also the alarming sign. Non-competitive. You got these guys saying? now taking pot shots at each other. Yeah. The media uh, taking pot shots at the coach, you know. I word, you know, you got people saying Ben Simmons stayed in Miami while the, the rest of the team left after they lost. Like, and, and so I, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with this team, but I think Brett Brown. I'm not saying he's got. I don't even know if he's the problem, but I just don't think he's gonna last. Well, clearly he's lost the locker room. That's what. Like sometimes it don't matter if like the problems are his fault. Once the guy stopped responding to you, then you just got to get rid of the guy. Yeah, sometimes and that's it is why it I is. think that poor job at Elton Brand. I almost feel bad for him though because I think, I think he would have been more proactive at making a move if this losing streak came like last week. But it's kind of all happening now. Yeah, and like the deadline's already passed, so he can't say, you know what, screw it. Like we got to blow this team up now. You know right, exactly. I remember when the Cavs blew up their entire team. At the trade deadline a couple years ago. Yeah. Like, he had been playing terribly. Right. Weeks before. So, Kobe Altman knew, I can, I got I got to blow this team up. And he was able to do the groundwork of, like, starting those preparations by yeah, the trade deadline. You could stuff. get rid of 10 guys. <laughs> and he had that you know, cool goal that Elton Brand had where they were playing good basketball. Right. Exactly. You know, he, that maybe they don't make that trade. Maybe they, they look just as inept as the Sixers team looks yeah, right now. Maybe the Celtics are in the NBA Finals. But, exactly. You know, like, so I do feel bad for Brandon on that level because, like, I mean, how can you ask a guy to trade the team, trade, like, blow up the team in the middle of a losing streak that just started, like, and now it's really starting to come to a panic mode. So, I don't know. It's a mess, it's a mess in Philadelphia, but it is what it is. Real quickly, Kendall, on, uh, I mean, real quickly because we're way over time. Um, Mookie Betts 
Deal's on hold, but we expect him to be on his way to the Dodgers. David Price going with him as well, a three-team deal. Uh, the Red Sox getting a young outfielder and Alex Verdugo from L.A. Uh, Bruzo, Gatterall was in the deal, but there are issues, with, I believe, with uh, an injury he may be having. So Boston may be trying to get more compensation or a different player in exchange, but he's a prospect. Uh, Minnesota's other team in that deal, and they're getting Kenta Maeda. Uh, does, is this now done deal? Dodgers are the prohibitive favorites in the West. I mean, not in the West. They clearly are there. They've been that for like a decade now. Uh, in the division. Oh, relax. Uh, no, they, 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 they've won the division in the last like eight or nine years. That's not a that's, that's facts. You, yo, you, you guys have, you guys have won the World Series. Won the World Series in 2010. All right, but I'm talking about winning the division, fam. Winning the division, they've been the prohibitive favorites, and they've been the champions for about a decade. Where is the lies? To answer your question. See, now he doesn't want to answer. He doesn't want to respond to that because what I said was all facts just now. But go ahead. Answer the question. Newly minted NL West favorite <laughs> LA Dodgers are, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is, this is a move. This is a move. As a, as a San Francisco Giants fan, you know, I mean, you don't you never love to see superstar players like Mookie Betts go to LA. But at the same time, I've seen this act for a decade. Like you said, they, they've been the, the quote unquote favorite. Whatever that means, they've been they've been the quote unquote favorite, the paper champions for 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 ten years now, and they haven't gotten them anything. So I'm not gonna, I, you know, I wouldn't panic if I'm the other teams in the National League. I wouldn't panic if I were teams in the American League. I mean, you got to feel good about Boston giving a Mookie Betts, and I feel bad for Boston, man, because boy, they just yeah, like the fan base, like they, Boston, they, they they're dead, they're a dead franchise right now. Yeah, I mean they they dumped. First, they fire the manager because he's a cheat. He admit he admitted he's a cheat. I mean, he quit. Yeah. <laughs> they fire him. But like, and now they they trade their best player in a salary dump. Mm. Like that's 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 unfortunate. And not even a salary dump that like nets you like on a massive haul of prospects. No, yeah. They like this is guys, a, like, I understand if they traded him to a team with the best farm system in the league. You got like five of the top twenty prospects in the league back or. Even five of the best 100 prospects, like they, that's what's that's what's worrisome about this. But you guys feel bad for them, but it is what it is. I, I'm sure LA will be good. They'll, they may make it to another World Series, may win another pennant, but I wouldn't I wouldn't bet any money on that team. What's crazy about this move is it's very reminiscent of when the Marlins traded Stanton to the Yankees, and we expect this massive coup of you know prospects to be going back. And you saw it, and you're like, that's all. But that's how badly the team just needed to get rid of uh, Stanton because of the money situation. You would never expect for anybody to say that about the Boston Red Sox, who besides the Yankees and maybe maybe the Dodgers. But you can maybe case that, that they were right behind the Yankees in terms of no price uh, no, is too high for them to spend to try to win. But the ownership and the team decided with all that's happened, with the losing that happened last year, losing the manager this year, um, that there was just no reason to uh have to pay someone like Mookie Betts all this money and potentially lose him in the offseason when you know you it doesn't like paying him you're not gonna be able to, to to compete they they need to spend they feel like they need to spend a lot more money to compete and get more players which is true and they don't have it and that's at least what they're saying they don't have it so it makes sense for us to get rid of him now and get something back but because the number was so high and the other team was willing to get rid of another guy who they desperately had to get rid of, and David Price, a guy whose salary is ballooning, they that brought down the price for Mookie Betts. But as a Red Sox fan, it sucks because it's not your money. 
you don't care that the Red Sox saved themselves, you know, potentially $400 million probably. Your thing is we just lost our, our an MVP caliber great player, and the, what we're getting back is just not a lot. Where is that money going to be spent? Right now, it's going right into the ownership pockets. So that's why those fans are upset. I do feel bad for them too. But I do think the Dodgers, they're going to be a juggernaut. I mean, there's no question. Muncie, Bellinger, be, uh, uh, Betts in the, uh, in the lineup, Betts and Bellinger in the outfield as a defensive crew. Uh, we know the pitching staff is solid. They're going to be a great team. It's all about October. And one thing is Betts has, Betts has a World Series championship. So that's the one thing that does change this. I know you talked about how they've always had these big moves and they've always been the big dogs in the block and they haven't shown I remember, up. I remember Adrian Gonzalez, man. That dude was supposed to be a monster. Yeah. With, with but this guy, this guy is a monster <laughs> in his prime with a championship. Remember with Carl champ- Crawford? With championship yeah. pedigree. <laughs> Carl Crawford doesn't have a championship. Does he have a championship? Well, no, no, he doesn't. I'm no, just saying, I'm saying in general, the Dodgers getting the right, the but, those, but the, the difference though, those, those guys didn't have the championship pedigree, and it were in their prime. This guy had a championship pedigree, was was a, a the star of the World Series, and it's in his prime. That's the difference. And you're talking about trying to bring credibility to a locker room that desperately needs it because they haven't been able to win in October. He brings it for them. Um, flames and trash. My my flames this week, real quickly. San Diego State basketball, twenty three and zero. They were one of the best stories in the sport um, that a lot of people probably really aren't paying attention to. With the way the schedule is looking, running the table is very possible. And this is kind of one of those scenes that's just going to be fascinating to watch in March because in a year that's kind of a all hell's is probably going to break loose because there's so many teams that are kind of all interchangeable. San Diego State putting on such a great run this year. At, and what was people thought might be a sneaky good year for them, but not this good, not fourth in the country, not 23-0. Based on the seeding they may get, they might, similar to how Gonzaga has found themselves recently, the year, they may shape themselves up a really nice uh, pathway to the Final Four, maybe avoiding some of the top teams that they haven't had to face all year. Now, when March happens, you know, uh, things start to get tight, things get nip and tuck, even against those eight seeds and those six seeds and those five seeds, those games get tricky too, but you're still not playing the Dukes of the world. You're not playing the, uh, you know, West Virginia, who's had a great year out in the Big 12. Some of those teams that maybe you thought you, you would have to see, you, a team like San Diego State would have to see maybe in the second round, they're going to avoid those teams. So watch out for the Aztecs, man. 23-0, Malachi Finn had his unbelievable season, had an unbelievable season so far. Uh, they're a team to watch. Who you got for uh, Flames? Uh, Flames, I'm going to give a shout-out to my guy, Andrew Berry. Um he just got hired, just had his press conference, uh, got hired as the general manager of the Cleveland Browns, uh, became the second, one, he became the youngest general manager in NFL history, uh, became the second African-American uh, GM in, or, you know, head player personnel guy uh, in the NFL, head operations guy in the NFL, uh, came from uh, Philadelphia, uh, was vice president of football operations over there. Uh, you know, kind of has a scouting background. Started in Indy, was in Cleveland before he got to Philadelphia. Left, and then Jimmy Haslam brought him back. Uh, so it should be an interesting hire. Uh, Cleveland fans are a little shaky on it. Um, <laughs> he's got he's caught a lot of flack. And it's funny because I watched his press conference and. Uh, you know, they, one of the reporters 
it was like it was like uh you know how how should we feel about you uh you know, you know, being the guy when you know you were part of you know drafting Corey Coleman, <laughs> which was an interesting question. But you know, he, he you know he's like, you know, it's a collaborative decision. You know, I, I you know I take a lot of the blame on that, and you know I'll take a lot of the credit and the stuff that we did well, and you know so so you know obviously he gave the answer. But what I would say to defend him is that look, Andrew Barry is a guy that has a background in primarily pro scouting. Now that doesn't mean that I mean he was vice president of players now, so those those mistakes are still on him. But you know, I would look less at his draft record and more at his record of bringing in quality free agents and you know quality finds throughout the league. Uh, but he's gonna have, look. He's gonna have to you know build that that scouting department up, put guys around him as well that you know know how to scout college and. Um, and he, I'm sure he does as well, but it, it's just going to be interesting to, to see. But it's a good s- step in the right direction for the NFL that obviously has an issue with diversity. Absolutely, congratulations to uh, to Barry. I know you you've seen him around the office in over there in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking. <laughs> yeah, so 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 massive shout out to him for getting that job. Um, my trash this week. I'm going with Wisconsin basketball. Uh, they had to. Uh, well, they didn't have to. The the Strength and conditioning coach Eric Helen had to resign uh, because it was found that he used a racial epithet, um, which reportedly was the N word while telling a story to uh, to his team. Um, this is obviously pretty disturbing. Uh, they're one of their Wisconsin's top players, Kobe King, African American player on the team, had left the team. In his Instagram post, he said, "I had to leave the team because." Quote, Wisconsin was not the right fit for me as a player or a person. So if there's any doubt about why he was reason- leaving and then you hear this thing, that certainly clears it up. It's just sad that this kind of thing is happening. And I just, you know, I don't know why. I'm just super, super sensitive now to the kind of people coaches are putting around children and their care of children. Do you remember that you heard about the guy from Grand Valley State? The offensive I didn't hear about this. Oh, kind of. Well, remind me for a quick. The offensive coordinator that uh, he was interviewed by like the school newspaper, and he said something about you know Hitler is like a great leader or something like that, and he got fired or he had to resign. Oh, so, right, I did see that. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. He said he thought Hitler, you know, had great great leadership qualities or something like that, which is it's not. I mean, that's why it's the same thing. But that's why I had <laughs> such a not to you know drag a reminder to this, but that's why that Urban Meyer thing with that 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 crazy guy smith zach smith that's why that was so alarming to me because again you know i know they're 18 19 secondly they're adults quote unquote but man anybody who's been in college you are a child so the idea that you're putting children around these kind of people always is very disturbing uh to me uh yeah exactly putting your rather putting these people around children is extremely disturbing and i guarantee you a guy like this there's no way this isn't the first red flag. You know what I'm saying? Like, this sure. is, this is, he probably had some other moments. Maybe that weren't this bad, but this is just the one that probably broke the straw that broke the camel's back. And, um, I'm, I'm putting the whole school, uh, the whole school basketball program as trash because while, yes, this dude clearly trash individual, it's trash to me because just Wisconsin, you, it's a, you know, as the head coach and, and the whole athletic program, you're responsible for all the people you're putting around these kids. 
especially when you have black kids at school that's mostly white in a state in a town in Madison that's mostly white. Yeah, it is, a, especially when you're bringing them just to play basketball. There's a there should be a, an appropriate level of sensitivity and caution with what how you're with who you're putting around these black children. So when I see guys using the N word, white dudes using the N word, that's just never gonna fly, ever. And it's just a it's just a sad thing. So Wisconsin basketball, they've also been uh, pretty bad uh, over the last few uh, weeks. Um, uh, Bo Ryan is rolling over in his proverbial grave. He's not actually dead, but that's a you know shout out to Charles Barkley. Uh, so it's been just a mess for these last few weeks. It's been a rough, rough, rough time there. So Wisconsin is trash for me. Kendall, who's trash for you? Uh, trash for me is uh, Cal McNair. You know, a lot of people may be wondering who is Cal McNair. He is the uh, chairman of the Houston Texans, um, son of the late great Warden McNair. <laughs> Bob McNair. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, that's funny. But um, you never want to laugh at your own jokes, but I thought that was funny myself. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Kyle McNair, uh, he's trashed this week for the opposite of the Cleveland Browns because he uh, hired Bill O'Brien, you know, as general manager of the Houston Texans, obviously replacing Rick Smith, uh, Rick Smith rather. Uh, in Houston, you know, that when we talk about a step in the right direction for diversity, you hire Andrew Berry in Cleveland, and then the Browns, like, I mean, the, the Texans, like, we'll just, go, we'll just promote Bill O'Brien and make him the only other coach. Yeah, they had, they had to offset, they had to offset the Berry hiring that showed great progress by doing something that was so regressive and ridiculous. Like, they <laughs> like literally, off, the it's all about balance, like Dan said. The only other coach in the league was, was, player personnel power is Bill Belichick. And now the second guy is Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien has trouble with his main job. <laughs> well, let's just get his, like his main job. He, he, he handles just good enough. Honestly, just barely passing the grade. I don't think they wanted to pay someone else millions of dollars. You trying to say that, uh, you trying to say that young Cal doesn't have it like his father? Uh, I mean, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he has Probably all of it, <laughs> but I mean, well, we he know. just may not be wanting to spend it. Um, he may not want to spend it. He may have maybe a, little, maybe a little more frugal. He may be a little more smart with his money. Maybe a smart investment, but I, you know, it will not lead to winning football games. Well, I don't know. I can't say that. We we, we don't know. But uh, I just will. I just I would say though that I think there are plenty of qualified candidates from all walks of life that could have made a lot of sense. Bill Ryan was I not one of them. Would have been Bill O'Brien, not one that it made sense from my perspective. But this is uh, let's end this though, EJ. Yep, Kendall's Kendall court. What we got, man? Uh, so this uh, this week we had the um, obviously we had an interesting uh situation in the NFL or not the NFL, but in college football, uh, because we had National Signing Day, National Signing Week, second National Signing Day. Uh, but the day before National Signing Day, EJ, uh, Mark D'Antonio, the coach at Michigan State, actually resigned from Michigan State, which was very bizarre timing uh, because coaches never leave in February, let alone right before National Signing Day, kind of messing up Michigan State's whole recruiting class. I don't know what the actual fallout was for them. I'm sure they had plenty of guys still sign, but it wouldn't surprise me if they had guys flip, guys decommit, 
sure even if they did have guys sign i'm sure that's probably unfortunate for the guys on the team and the guys that did sign with them especially guys that signed with them in december um so but what's interesting about that even more is that d'antonio actually had a clause in his contract that he got 4.5 million dollars if he was the coach of michigan state on january 15th so (laughs) because of that he was like well i'm not gonna resign uh, right after the season, I'm going to wait, get this $4 million, give him my two weeks, and I'll be out. And essentially, that's what happened. He was out. May or may not have given them their, his two weeks. Maybe he just waited two weeks. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> but regardless, he, he was out, or he is out, and now they've, they've moved on. But a lot of c- coaches right now don't want the job. From what we know, Matt Campbell at Iowa State turned it down. Pat Narduzzi over at Pitt. Unfortunately, turned it down. Um, you know, Luke Fickle at Cincinnati still hasn't made a decision, but it sounds as if he's going to turn it down. So I don't think these coaches want to leave in February when they can't even recruit. So, yeah, put Mark D'Antonio staying on board at Michigan State as some sort of advisor, probably going to coach a coach a, a, a class or something. Or not coach, teach a, teach a class. class. Yeah, he's probably going to teach a class or something, but – at the end of the day, you know, he he really screwed over that that program. But I have no uh, no sympathy for the Michigan State University administration whatsoever. So, uh, I mean, I guess it's probably karma. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, this is your typical NCA looming down. Let me get the hell out of here before I got to clean up whatever mess I started. So uh, it makes sense. I mean, he his his he's gonna leave with a pretty great record. I mean, Michigan State football is probably the most consistent it's ever been. I mean, you know, I'm not a Michigan State football savant or you know aficionado. So if someone says, "Oh, wait, what about 19, what about 1964 yeah. to 1977? They had a great run." I mean, I'm sorry to that person who's listening to the show and doesn't is upset that I don't know that. But from since I've been watching college football. D'Antonio's run has definitely been the most consistent, and they've been a bowl team uh, pretty much every year, except for one exactly in his entire run. Um, and before that, you know, there was a, a period in the '90s, there in the '80s where they were okay, but that consistent period of constantly being enrolled in, in bowl games, they made the Rose Bowl one year. D'Antonio was their greatest coach ever. Uh, I think that, that's pretty easy to say. Uh, oh, there's a guy named Biggie Munn. From 1947 to 1953. I thought you were going to say Nick Saban. <laughs> um, Saban was decent, was but, but he wasn't no, he, as crazy as it sounds, he wasn't no Mark D'Antonio. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, uh, so, you know, he, 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 he had, he's had a good, he had a good run. I think he looks at his record and probably says, look, man, I got a good career record at this school. If I want to get another job, people forget about this whole scandal that's going to come down. I maybe will get another pretty good job. So, I think it's the right time for him to leave in that when we think about it in that regard. And it was kind of also a dead program. Seven, Even though they did make a bowl game the last two years, seven wins, they weren't really going anywhere. So, no, nah, no. Nah, the, the, the Big Ten East is too tough. Yeah, like, get out. Get out. Where really the, yeah, get out where it gets to when it, before it gets really bad. That's the that's the way to do it. So that made sense. Um, so uh, I guess, you know, hopefully D'Antonio finds a, a nice – Finds happiness in teaching what the hell he does, but uh, he's now gone at Michigan State. And we're gone from this podcast, two hours plus. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a long one, but I think we had some 
great conversations. I think this is a podcast. I hope you guys really enjoyed. I had fun doing it. You can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can also catch our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, for uh, other exclusive content, video content we put on there. Um, again, YouTube channel, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, New Generation Pod. On Instagram, New Generation Podcast. That's with an S. And on Facebook, New Generation Media. I'm on social media as well. You can find me on Instagram, Action DJ. On Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it again. This was a great show. I had a lot of fun. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.